Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Body and welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful, British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. And we've another patch show for you this week. We're going to be covering so many bases again. We'll be talking MLS. Whitecaps, CPL, Vancouver FC, Canadian Championship, League 1 BC. There might even be time to talk about crooks at Canada Soccer. <laughs> Charmaine Crooks, obviously. I, I'm talking about there, I'm sure we'll, we'll touch on her a little bit as we get on to this show. I'm sure you're quite exhausted as we're doing this. We're recording this on Sunday evening. It's after 11 o'clock. You've had a busy couple of weeks in the preparation to the Vancouver FC home opener, which we're going to talk about in the next part. But Wait, we're not talking about in the first part? No, we're, we're leading with the big story and the big team in the lower mainland, which obviously the Whitecaps. You know, the first tier no. of Canadian soccer. Not the we you're just, we just had this conversation. I know we just had this discussion. <laughs> it's it's uh it's not first tier. How many people? How many people in, in Wales say that the Premier League is the first first tier of Welsh football? I'm sure all the Swansea and Cardiff City fans do. Yeah. If they ever reach those hallowed grounds ever again. Yeah, no. I mean, to yeah. them, I guess the Championship's currently the the first tier of Welsh football. There's a, there's, there's only one top level of Canadian football, and it's the Canadian Premier League, Michael. Let's see how the Canadian Championship shakes up. When they they face off against each other, then <laughs> well, they, 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 no, it's not it's not a it's not a measurement, Michael. It's not a metric. It's 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 fact. The top level of Canadian club football is the Canadian Premier League. There are Canadian teams that play in an, the American top flight, but that's fine. That's normal. That happens in North America lots, and like we said, it happens in other places in football as well. But don't people you can't you can't change the nomenclature to fit your narrative. Like it, that's just not unfactual. Oh, I can. It's my show. I can do it on. Oh, you can, but it's, <laughs> it's still it's still unfactual. And I know you like to be factual. Oh, I, I, I'm pretty sure there's lots of folk within the Whitecaps listening to this that have never well, used the word factual and the AFT and soccer show in the same sentence. <laughs> oh, my. But going back to my original point, do you have matchsticks prying your eyes open? Are you uh, going to get through these two hours? Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm a little bit tired. It's been a long few weeks. Um, but Tell I always... 
I three games enjoyed... yesterday, three games today for me. Yes. Only one game this weekend for me, but lots of preparation. Um, no, I I always enjoy our conversations, Michael. That's good. You're, smi- you're smiling like mischievously there. I just think I it's wish... what, what else I can do to poke you as we get through this. I, is ever is anyone else is everyone else sleeping? Like Steve sleeping? Probably. Felipe. Annie is sleeping down to my left. Caitlin Felipe. is sleeping upstairs. Felipe sleeping. Her He's sleeping. probably sleeping as well. Yeah. I, I thought it's maybe not fair to disrupt his his whole family set up by getting him on a podcast at quarter past 11 on a Sunday night after he's had a very busy weekend covering the, the Whitecats and Vancouver FC for AFTN. And he's got his own podcast to bring out, which you should give a listen to. It's called Coast to Coast. Certainly check that out. I haven't had actually a chance to listen to his first episode yet, but I will get around to doing it. I, I do promise that. I'm, I'm, I'm searching it now and adding it to my, my thing. My, my, I'll subscribe or whatever right now. Yes, you should. I, I appreciate Felipe. He's a, he's a, I mean, I I texted you in the middle of the press conference that he's you his forge his forgeness came out in that press conference. Where he's like, <laughs> let me tell you what I think about how cavalry plays, and you could just feel the forgeness. And, and he, he wasn't wrong. He wasn't wrong or anything. No. like, but it was just like, oh yeah, this is. <laughs> I could just you could just sense the forge oozing out of him. I mean, that was a fun press conference. It totally was. Hey, good. By the four, way, four of us that were on it, three from AFTN and Alex. <laughs> no, good. Um, I appreciated the extra podcast. I had some kind of logistical issue where mine like cut off early, uh, but I think it might be on my end. Oh, uh, mine cut off like during Tommy's press conference. Uh, but I, again, it might be. It's probably me, not. Maybe you've just got swear words like banned, and that's maybe. No, maybe that's why. not it. I meant to bring that out Friday night. I just completely ran out of time in doing prep for the, the TSS Rovers game over the weekend as our League One BC commentary is going in full flow right now. So, one, one, one more, what's it called? Coast to Coast? Coast what? to Coast. There's a whole bunch of things here called Coast to Coast. Maybe it's called something else as well. Let me check that. There's so many coast to coast on here. Yeah, I know it's it is a tough one. Coast to coast FC. Apologies, uh, Philip. Uh, no, it's coast okay. to coast FC. That'll that'll narrow this. I thought I feel I've missed something out of that. Yep, he hosts it with a Pacific fan called Mike Rice. I still can't find it. He just wants to to do things with people called Mike or Michael. I think that's what it is. Yeah. But we'll get into CPL chat later in the show. We are going to start things off in. The top flight of Canadian soccer, Major League Soccer, as the Whitecaps continued their winning ways, their unbeaten streak, taking on the loons of Minnesota. Cold like Minnesota, cold like Minnesota. I have to sing this myself now because I I can't play the fantastic song by Lil Yachty because Spotify tag it for copyright reasons. No one else does. But yeah, you've just got a... A little burst of it there. But yes, the Whitecaps saw one streak end on Saturday night as Yohei Takaoka set a club MLS shutout record at 433 minutes. That was brought to an abrupt halt by former Whitecap Michael Boxall. But as one streak ended, another one was extended as they moved to eight league matches now and beaten after their 3-2 win over Minnesota at BC Place on Saturday evening. And most importantly, three wins in the last five for them now in those eight. 
So that is starting to look a little bit better. When you've got a long and beaten run and there's a lot of draws in there, it's never really as impressive as when you start racking up the wins. But I felt this was a deserved win on Saturday for the, the Whitecaps, Zach. Decent performance all round. Couple of grumbles, of course. Wouldn't be this show without having that. But overall, good three points that saw them leapfrog Minnesota into seventh in the table. And that is where they finished by the end of the weekend as well. Yeah, I mean, it was a game they, they had to win. You're, you're at home. Uh, you're against a conference rival who you're battling with for position. And they're still without their best player. <laughs> yes. Um, so like, you, you, Back you, in their fold, they hope to get him back on the pitch soon. They badly need him. They yeah. really do miss him out there. Yeah, they they, they do. Um, and so, yeah, Vancouver had to win. The, uh, the Whitecaps had to win that game. And so, yeah, kudos for them for winning. Um, it felt a little bit fortunate in some ways. I haven't seen the the best replays, but Brian, Brian White looked a little bit. Was he, there's a hint of offside in that first goal, no? Well, um, or, sorry, when I'm, the ball I'm is played, him. he's in his own half. But we'll, we'll, we'll come to that. Now, I mean, oh, he was. Sorry, that, yeah, I missed yeah. that. I missed that part. Okay. I mean, you're saying that it's a must win. Vanny also in the build-up to this said it was a, a must win and doubled down in his comments of the weekend that they would win the game. Now, I mean, obviously, it all came good and he was factually correct and, and all those things. <laughs> but at, at the same point, although I like him saying stuff like that, it does feel like it just adds a little bit of unnecessary pressure to be saying that publicly. Yeah, uh, I mean, although I, I I stated before as we talked about this that I feel he's under more pressure externally than he is internally. Yeah, I um, think he is. Yeah, perhaps a comment like that is is points in a different direction. Yeah, I mean, but then if you don't get that win. Yeah. And the, you've got the external voices already saying stuff. It just adds fuel to that fire. Totally, oh, totally, yeah. And, of course, it's always the bulletin board material and stuff like that. Didn't help in this case. Did for Houston in the past. Yeah. But, I mean, it all came good. So, it's all, I mean, it's all fine. And it, it was a, a good overall performance by the Whitecaps. And I, I think they deserved the win. There was one change to the starting lineup. Alessandro Schopf came in for mm. Ali Ahmed. Didn't mind that at all. We spoke in the earlier show before Schopf's injury. I thought him and Gressel were forming a great partnership in that midfield. So good to see him back in there. Mm -hmm. I would have maybe liked to have seen Ali, though, drop back into the left-back role for Louis Martins. I didn't think was outstanding or even all that good, to be, to be honest, against Colorado, although Vanny was singing Martins' praises. But I guess I've maybe got one eye as well into that midweek game with York, where you feel Ali is going to certainly play a big role in that. But yeah. fast start for the Whitecaps. They got off in the front foot, had a couple of raise forward, and it did take the lead in the, the 17th minute. Brian White, great anticipation and forcing the turnover by Andrews Kubis. Yeah, that was a brilliant, brilliant tackle and uh, tremendously quick transition play from Kubis. Who I, I feel, for me, was actually the Whitecaps man of the match. I know White will get the plaudits for his two goals, but I thought without Kubis's play in this game, I just thought he was excellent out there yet again. Yeah, it's weird. It's, it feels weird to see Brian White outrun someone. <laughs> yes. But that, I mean, that's just maybe what partly why I felt he was outside. I'm like, there's no way he can be onside and like, you know, run, like outrun anyone. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, it was tapias, um, right. which was acceptable in the 70s. It's not in modern culture. <laughs> Left him trailing back uh-huh. there. Oh man! It, it was a perfectly weighted past as well, and like you talked about the offside, because when I first saw it, I and when I first saw the still, I was like, "Oh, he's gonna, this is gonna get called back," but then you look at it, and just as the pass is released, and this is how perfectly weighted it was, yeah, Ryan White's foot is on the halfway line. Yeah, okay, yeah, it's legit. One second later, and I think that would have been flagged off. Yeah, okay, I didn't see that. Okay, that's good. That, yeah. I still, I still don't. I still find it hard to believe a defender couldn't catch him. Yeah, I mean, it, it was <laughs> but, a nice finish in the end under St. Clair. I thought he'd overrun it. I thought he had just taken one touch too many. Yeah, but he he didn't. He he finished it. I I'll say now. I should actually have mentioned. I didn't actually get to BC plays for this one. The time I wrapped things up at Swan Guard, we're doing the TSS post game stuff. Time I got home, was exhausted, and I was like, oh, I'm possibly going to miss the kickoff getting down to BC Place. So I ended up just watching this one from home. Yeah, and you messaged to say how disappointed you were that you couldn't make it there. Yeah, I genuinely regret not going down for it. It was a very good game, and I, I thought it might be a 0 or a 1-0 game, so I was like, I'm probably not missing much. But, I mean, it, it was a good one. I wish I had gone. It would have kept me awake, which is a good thing. Do you think it'll be like the situation that I think we had a, a season or two ago where they're like, with you in the post-game show or whatever, where it's like, Michael isn't there, things are going, well, let's keep Michael. Yeah, away. I think if I just don't turn up at BC Place, they're going to actually start winning matches mm. and they're going to be in the MLS Cup. I, I am prepared to stay at home for that <laughs> to happen. I will say that now. Well, is is uh, is Annie waking up? Yeah, it was just a, a leg that you just saw stretching there. She's going back asleep again. <laughs> oh, okay. It was the excitement of Brian White scoring there, just woke her from her slumber. The reason I mentioned I wasn't at the game is I was going to ask Brian White afterwards. Uh, there were two questions I had for Brian White. Har managed to ask one of them. We'll come to that on the second goal. But his fingers in the ear celebration. Yeah, I saw that. You can take that two ways. One, oh, it's so loud with the noise from the celebrating, I have to cover my ears. It's That's a positive glass full thing. Or... Yep, you've been slagging me off for being crap. I don't hear this criticism. I know I can score goals. Yeah, well, that's basically the thing that I think it's the same or similar to what uh, Gio Reyna has been doing in the Bundesliga mm. that we've talked about in the past. And yeah, I found that quite, quite interesting. I did as well. I, I guess we'll dig a, a little bit into that. Maybe, of course, we are just reading more into it. But... I, well, before we find out the facts, I, I, would, just, I would just say... If that's what it is, and he's reading all this, these comments online, that's, uh, as we've heard from many coaches in the past, that's not the ideal way to be a professional. No, it's, it's hard not to. I mean, I've got to say, I would probably be there looking to see what, what folk are saying as well. But yeah, when it's a, a celebration like that, it does draw on, like you say, while we're waiting for the facts, don't let facts get in the way of speculation. For the second goal that we'll talk about soon, Facts spoiled that one for me. But anyway, let's go to the 33rd minute. Minnesota tie it up. It's boxy. Oh. I, I mean, Takaoka's streak ended, and it was poor by, by the keeper on this. I think if you come out from that corner that was sent in by Sangbin, who was fantastic for Minnesota, I've got to say, I, I thought he mm, was their he best was. player by a mile on the pitch on Saturday night. You've got to keep hold of that ball. Taka Oka, yeah, he was under pressure from Lode. 
but you've got to keep hold of it. He drops it, and then the ball's just like bouncing about and ricocheting off people before Boxall pokes it home. I I, I strongly appreciate Michael Boxall. See, we were and, talking about this before recording as well. I didn't think he was that good a player here. I think he has improved exponentially since oh, he yeah. moved on from here, and he is well, definitely he, an international quality player now. He went back to Wellington. He's played, yeah, played for New Zealand, and yeah, he's a. I think he for this league, he's a he's a he's a quality center back, uh, yeah. and and more than that, he's he's like just a quality dude. Like he, yeah, he. I have a lot of time for Michael Boxall. Um, I've told this story of the podcast before, but not for a number of years. When he was here, he'd put a, a photograph out of some three pictures that he'd bought. And I'd said, oh, a lovely triptych. And he sent me a DM going, I didn't know that's what that was called. <laughs> that always That's my lasting memory of Michael Boxall. Yeah. Back in, back in the, I don't, I don't know if I've told you this before. So back in the, uh, or I don't know if I've talked about it on this on the show, but back in the day, one of the things we used to do is... Um, Especially with you know the, the the closer we were to certain players, the more we would would connect in different ways. And well, Boxel was one of those guys. That I remember we did something at the beginning. We invited a few of them, and Boxel came and just hung out at like a little gathering at a restaurant or pub or whatever it was. Um, but anyways, when when players would leave, we'd always try and create create an opportunity to meet with them. Uh, and usually it was only like a, a couple people or whatever, but, um, yeah, I, I remember sitting down at the, what's it called? The cactus club by the Monterey and just, yeah. Breaking bread with Boxel before he left and yeah, just, yeah. Saying did, goodbye. Did he like the inflatable sheep you gave him? I didn't, Michael. No, I think, uh, I think Kai was there with me at that one. Um, Kai Holler. Oh, so it's uh, like Kamara? <laughs> no, no. It's like no. he really must have liked Michael Boxall if he flew in just uh, for that no. meeting. We broke bread with Boxall and just, you know, said, you know, said how much we appreciate his, uh, you know, his battling for for us. And anyways, yeah, just had some... I mean, really I, it's very fitting to actually break bread with him because defensively in that first season, I mean, they were like dealing with crumbs, really, <laughs> in how well that they were they were playing. <laughs> But no, I and mean, then whenever he comes back, he always connect in one way, shape, or form. I mean, I'd, I'd spoke to him one of the times he did come back. We did have a, an interview with him in the show, and he was fine to talk about everything. I'm not sure why there was such a long video review on the goal, because I did not really see anything worth reviewing in it. The only thing I could kind of think of is, as he put the ball in the net, he did follow through on Blackman. Yeah, so I yeah. don't know if they were looking at it to see, without that challenge, could Blackman possibly have got to the ball, but... I, I, it wasn't clear and obvious to, to change or, or give the foul for me, but I think it was disappointing to let Minnesota back into the game at that point because Whitecaps mm. had been in control and you thought, oh, they're going to go on and, and do this now. But to their credit, they finished the half strongly, had a couple of chances. White could easily have had a hat-trick in this game, yeah. if not more. Yes, he, yeah, he did have some really good chances. But he did put them ahead in the 52nd minute Headed the white caps back in front. What did you think about this one? He headed it home. Yeah, as he was colliding with the keeper. Mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty sure it came off his cock. Oh, that's what he said. Headed he it says it's his thigh. Right. Um, but my freeze frame 
is obviously the thing that we're going with in my VAR. It, it could be thigh, it could be cock, it could be hip. It doesn't really matter. It went in. But in answer to your question, I think it was a foul on St. Clair. Yeah, so do I. I totally, like, yeah. Because he and cleans St- them out and St. Clair can't Clair's react to like, get the ball. St- yeah, St. Clair's like, what? If that like, had gone the other way, oh, I would be screaming blue murder just now at this point of the show. Riots in the stands. Those new chairs that they put in at VFC would be getting thrown in the pitch. <laughs> um, no, it, it, it to me, I honestly, I thought it was a when I when I when I was watching it, I saw it, I was like, "That's a foul, right?" And I was like, uh, "Okay, maybe not." Mm. But then I watched the replay, and I'm like, "Yeah, I still actually I think more so now that that was a foul." It was a very heavy collision. I don't know if they looked at it and they kind of thought it's a bit fifty-fifty because Sinclair does clatter into him at the same time. So I can see why it wasn't called as a foul. But it would have been, it'd have been harsh on White. But again, I would have been like, yeah, I can see why it also has. But been just different. with, I mean, we're so used to goalkeepers being so protected. Yeah, which I don't yeah, like. I like the old days of just that, sending them crashing into the back of the net. Yeah, exactly. That and that's what it looked like on on Sinclair's face, right? He's just like, ref, I'm going to be protected on this, right? Like I totally just got clattered into. But nope. The ref's like, I've been watching 1950s football. It's all good. Go. Yeah. But it wasn't, it wasn't to me, it wasn't as clear cut as uh, things we'll talk about later. Yeah. <laughs> but unfortunately for White, has to go off injured with that. It looks like it's yeah, a oh, yeah. calf contusion. So it doesn't look like it's too, too bad. Or a quad contusion, I, I think it yeah, is. So, so to me, it actually kind of looked like dead leg, right? Like, mm-hmm. it was like Charlie. I yeah. think that, that, that is just what it is. So I don't think it's going to be too much. I don't really see him missing time. Don't think he was going to start midweek in this Canadian Championship game anyway. Now, actually, do, instead of dead leg, do they now call that um, King Horse now? Charlie Horse, is it? Yeah, yeah King Horse. King Horse? Oh. <laughs> ah, dear. Completely missed that. Funny you should mention that. We might might touch on that later on in the show. But as, as White makes way, he's replaced by Simon Betcher. Oh, Will yeah. he have an immediate impact? You betcha he can. 29 seconds I've timed it from when his foot crossed that line to go on the pitch to putting the ball in the back of the net. Now that is an impact sub. Yeah, but it was one of those moments that we've seen a lot of in MLS this season where it was like it was Christmas. Oh, yes. Well, which, you could say, which you could say a little bit on the, the Kuba steal on the first yeah, goal. Yeah, well. But Kuba's steal was more skill. I mean, we're saying it's Christmas, but I have to give Kubis all the kudos again. Kudos to Kubis. Oh, that could be the title of the podcast episode. Haven't got one yet for this thing. Nice little tongue twister. I mean, he put Lode under so much pressure and forced that turnover. I mean, you can say it was gifted back, but it's like that's all because of Kubis closing him down. Yeah. But then comes to Gold, races forward, nice little pass to his outside to Betcher, finishes well. I think Sinclair should have done better on it, though. It was a good strike by Betcher, but I do think Sinclair could maybe have done that, but... I think that might be a bit Again, I'm being harsh again on the goalkeepers. Yeah. I did mention in my commentary at the weekend that I'd never give goalkeepers a fair shake. Not sure why, but that just seems to be my, my shtick, unfortunately. But that was 3-1 to the Whitecaps, and I thought by that point, that's them. Dead. Home and dead dry, home, yeah. it's all gone. Didn't see Minnesota coming back. 
but Minnesota sort of stormed back, and they're going to feel a little bit aggrieved to think that they didn't even come away with a point from this oh, one. Oh, man, are they ever. I mean, Sung Bin made it 3-2 in the 65th minute. Oh, acres of room on the edge of the box with three Whitecaps players around him, but nowhere near this shield of invisibility that he had seemed to, to put a radius off. Nice through ball by Lode as well, I've got to say, but just yeah. absolutely horrible defending. Yeah, they didn't cover themselves in glory in that moment. And then it was, it was like, there was what, like 25 minutes or so left? Yeah, and then and... Garcia had a couple of chances. One that he just couldn't get out the turf, and then one that just curled narrowly wide. It was at the stone, it was a save by Takaoka that he had. And then... The last ditch curler from Sung Bin in stoppage time as well that, that just missed the posted stamp corner. Yeah, that was a nice shot, but that's not the one that stands out to me the most. Oh, what one does? The Lawrence one. I'm blanking on that. What one was that? Where it gets through to him at the far post and he trips as he's going to hit it. Oh. It was so brutal. Yes. So brutal. Yeah, I mean, the Caps certainly rode their luck. Vanny said afterwards that they need to be better at playing with a lead. Mm. And it's something that they've not had a lot of experience of or they haven't held the lead for a long time. And he just feels that for this team to kind of move on a little bit to the next level, then they kind of have to play better with the lead. And, I mean, that'll come. Still a young team. But big, big win for the Caps. As mentioned... Finished the weekend in seventh because the other mm. results in the Western Conference, a lot of them really went in the, their yeah, favour. Caps, 14 points now from their 10 games. Six points off first place with a game in hand, which is quite incredible to think about. We're not going to take a deep dive into the other Western Conference results, but there's a couple of little things I do want to talk about. San Jose handed LAFC their first defeat of the season. 2-1 victory for San Jose. The Quakes keep going, as does Christian Espinosa, who is in great form, bagged a brace in this one, scored early, scored late, Buanga was on target in between for LA, but Luchi Gonzalez has something special going on here just now with the San Jose side. Mm -hmm. But in saying that, they haven't won yet on the road. They've only taken two points from their five games away from home. If they can find the formula to then start picking points up on the road they could very well be the, the big surprise package. I, I didn't see this coming at all from San Jose. No, it was a, it was a late, late penalty, right? 83rd minute, I think yeah, it was. Yeah, uh, yeah. I saw I saw that and I was like, wow. Um, I was watching highlights or something. I was like, oh, okay, there, there's going to be an LAFC goal or two after. And I was like, yeah, you were just waiting like, for it, but no. Nope. I was like, okay. Great result. For, totally. for San Jose there. And it was also, oh, it was one of the games where they played in your stadium, right? Levi's or whatever. Yes. Your, yeah. Your stadium, yeah. Yeah, they had a good crowd. I can't remember. Off the top of my head, it was 40 it, plus. I don't, yeah, the upper deck wasn't open, but yeah, it was, it was a good crowd. It, it, it totally reminded me of back in the day, like when they used to do the, the derby with the Galaxy and play there. I, I don't remember, mind them Wando, doing stuff remember like Wando that. Wando and all his scoring oh, the, goals. Yeah. <laughs> All the Goonies stuff. But yeah, if they can have a special occasion that makes it feel like a special occasion by playing in that bigger stadium, I mean, go for it. Still a home stadium, really, to them. Yeah. 
Dallas St. Louis was abandoned in the 50th minute with the teams tied at 0-0, lightning, getting replayed at a later date. And this is something that I hate over here in North America. It's getting yeah. restarted from the 50th minute mark. Wait, what? Yeah. They're going to they're gonna fly St. Louis back to Dallas to re- restart the game from the 50th minute. That's not normal, is it? It is in North America. But it's usually that in North America when they're playing the game the next day. Oh, right, like baseball or something. Yeah. The, um, but like that... in, in Scotland, if a game's abandoned, like East Fife's been winning games, it's been called off because of snow or waterlogged pitch, and you just have to shrug your shoulders and it starts from zero when they, they do the replay. Yeah, so that is so weird. Mm. Um, is that, So that's what, is that what MLS rules state? Because obviously, I guess it has to be. Yeah, I think I think I know. When, I mean, this is what the MLS website said last night. So unless that's changed anything, updated, but that's yeah. what it what it said last night. Because I know, like, there are leagues where it's like if you pay two thirds of the game, so sixty seven and a half minutes, and something like that happens. Maybe this is more amateur. The, you know, the, the result stands or whatever. But this, oh yeah, that is just amateur. You wouldn't yeah. do that professionally. So it reminds me. It remind, does it not remind you of a, a certain Voyager's Cup game with a waterlogged pitch? Mm-hmm. And that restarted from zero. Restarted from zero, yeah. Well, that's Canadian rules. Yeah. Much like the NFL, it's very wait, different. Wait, so you're saying you're saying that MLS and the Canadian rules are different? Yes. Because they're, they're different countries. Oh, I gotcha. hoisted by my own petard. Gotcha, Michael. Gotcha. That'll get cut out in the edit. <laughs> He's writing the time down. Okay, time snap uh, it. Perfect, right. Got that marked. Um, Houston nil, RSL nil. The teams combined for 29 shots, just nine of them on target, no goals. And Houston with a better team. Both teams, though, lacking in the finishing department right now. Then we get to a game I definitely want to talk a little bit about. LA Galaxy 1, Colorado Rapids 3. Now, Colorado, I know they're on this unbeaten run, like the Whitecaps. They've extended their unbeaten run now. But oof, they're not good. Vanny out, surely. Yeah, I mean Colorado's not great. I mean, no. we saw you saw that at BC Place a week yeah. ago. It was, and but then they came here and wanted to play defensively, whereas here yeah, they, they must to... have thought, "Hey, the Galaxy are ripe for the the plucking." It was three 0 to Colorado until the 89th minute. Yeah, I know one of their goals was also after the 80th minute mark as well, but still crazy. And the Galaxy outshot Colorado. 21 to 10. But how do... Oh, yeah. The, yeah, oh, the, yeah, yeah. I, how do the LA uh, attackers feel about things? Chicharito said post-game, something needs to change. Now, obviously, folk are thinking he's meaning Vanny. Maybe he's meaning the attacker should actually put the ball in the net if you have 21 shots in a game. Yeah. Maybe he, need, maybe he needs a better strike partner. Mm. Well, there's rumours of a guy that could be coming to LA... Or could he be coming to the Whitecaps? We'll come to that at the end of this section. Right. It was Portland 2, Austin 2. Will Bruin, 92nd minute. Levler got the points for Austin. And then the shock result of the weekend. Yes. Did not see this coming. No one saw it coming. In Seattle, nonetheless. Yes. Sounders 1, Johnny Russell FC 2. Johnny didn't score. No. But Polito did. Eric Tommy did. KC were 2-0 up at half time. They survived the Seattle fight back, came away with a big 2-1 victory, their first win of the, the season. 
Just a week after Johnny was saying, I don't know what we can do to turn this around, they obviously found something to turn it around in the space of seven days. Yeah, I'm not, I, 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 one thing I'd love to, uh, I, I mean, I, I don't follow betting and whatever. I wonder how many people bet big on that, on that game, like, or like had it as a part oh, of their, I mean, their whatever. Their, is it called a parlay? I don't speak the language. But that's one of it. I, I'm more used to like accumulators and like yeah. three folds and four because folds over you, in the UK. You got to think of people, you know, people in North America, all around the world who are you know, into sports betting or football betting or whatever. If you were doing an MLS thing or you had an option, you're like, I need a sure game just to to add to my. Whatever. Oh, you're meaning betting on Seattle. Yeah. I thought you were meaning betting on KC. And I was like, who? No, no. Idiotic enough to, ha- I'm going to bet my house on KC to win no, this but, one. Because it's, it's, I know the, the odds would have been awful. Oh, no, it, yeah. It, it would have been a sure thing. Though. Yeah, that yeah, that sure is thing. one you would have had in as a, as a fair bet if you wanted to get like a four-team accumulator or something. Yeah, yeah. Like, totally. Oh, like, I, yeah. I mean, it, it didn't help KC. They're still bottom of the West. Six points, same as the Galaxy now. And those two teams are four points adrift of Austin in 12th. They've got 10, Salt Lake 11th and 11, and Colorado in 10th on 12. Above the playoff line, Portland 9th with 12 points. Minnesota 8th with 12 points. Vancouver 7th, 14. Houston on 14. Dallas on 15. San Jose sitting in 4th on 18. LAFC Still in third and 18. They do have a couple of games in hand, as do Houston, incidentally. St. Louis second on 19 and Seattle leading the way on 20. None of the top three winning. Obviously, St. Louis's game was postponed. But yeah, that was a very good weekend set of results for the Whitecaps. It does feel that they still haven't fully... They're not fully clicking. I thought... The, the Whitecaps headline for the match report on the website was floodgates open. And it's like, you won 3-2, I'm not sure I would describe that as being floodgates opening. Especially in a season where you've already had two 5-0 victories. Yeah. It's, yeah, a little bit bit of an odd one, I, I thought, to, to go with that. But it was great that they got the win. I do think they maybe still need to, to strengthen. Sergio Cordova is back. He was on the bench. Mm-hmm. Might see him get a run out midweek uh, against York in the Canadian Championship. So I, if they can get him firing, and White can continue this little streaky run, you've got Betcher doing the business again. I mean, it, it bodes well. Shop back playing with Gressel. I thought Gressel was excellent. Again, he had a couple of really good balls into the box that deserve to have better finishes on them. But defensively, there's still the odd little slip. I think... I'm quite happy with the centre-back pair, and I think, Ranko and Blackman. The full-backs, I think, still open a little bit to to question. Yeah, I, I forgot to mention, we were breaking down the game. Uh, the one thing about the Boxel goal is it was a poor, uh, it was a, he just stabs at it, and Ranko had this, could have cleared off the line, but it hits off, you know, flexed off his yeah. shin and goes in. I thought he really should have done better than that. But to be um, fair, the other end of the pitch, and the second goal, it was Ranko's header, that That's knocks true. it forward to White and he did well to win that but that was then poor Minnesota defending because they really should just have got a foot and cleared that into row Z out mm. of there but it's positive signs for the Whitecaps not yes. so positive though the crowd again just over 14,000 and they've That's done pay- a big That's push pay- for That's selling paid. tickets yeah. Too, yeah so it's so it's wait, a hard so, sell obviously so a winning team will help so you're saying that they had four, 14 paid 
And you, you tw 22 and a half used to be a seller, right? Or is it seller? Yeah, but that was with the tarp. So the whole the whole bottom thing holds 27, but it was 22 and a half was the sellout before. Wait, wait, is, are they keeping that, do we know? Or is um, now 27 a seller? I guess with no tarps, it would officially be 27, but I guess they can then say we're only selling 22 and a half thousand tickets. Yeah, yeah. Right now, they would love to be selling 22 and a half thousand tickets. So, I mean, what's, if, what's... They, if they have matches like this, it would attract fans in. The problem is, how many of the fans that didn't go to the game will have even seen this? Because it's not on, that one wasn't on TSN. I'm will so they have bothered to look to see the highlights? I'm so surprised you, you're taking that angle, Mike. <laughs> it's, it's, a val, it's, a val, it's a valid concern. Yeah, it's, it is genuinely. Yeah. More and more people are saying, like P Peter Seward... And I know he was meaning this a little bit sarcastically because we've had a chat about this, but he was like when we were talking about the game and stuff, oh, was there a game this weekend? Because, again, if it's not on TSN, the casual fans, the half-hearted fans, the non-fully committed aren't going to know it's on. The same thing, I don't like the home games being on TSN, but... When you get an exciting game like this, you kind of want to get that message out. So it is, it is tough for the Whitecaps just now. I do feel for them a, a little bit. I do wonder how many teams around MLS this is benefiting the Apple deal and how many it's proven to be a big hindrance to. Yeah. It's... Just marketing their, their product, for what yeah. a, a better word, horrible word. But It'll be interesting to see. Uh, I know you, you were talking to me, I can't remember if it was on the show or just casually, uh, about... About uh, Apple, I think uh, not hitting the heights that they thought. Yeah, well, there was mixed reports. Someone had said that they weren't happy. Jonathan Tannenwald has heard that that they are very happy with with the, the figures just now, but them being happy and the clubs being happy because of the fans that they coming through the gate are two very different things. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't know what it would take. Maybe a big-name player could draw the fans in the seat. There was links this weekend that the Whitecaps were possibly going to be adding a Mexican international. Mexican media reported that 22-year-old Tigris winger Diego Lainez could be in the frame for a shock move to the Whitecaps. Not the LA Galaxy, as he was first linked with, with people saying that the Galaxy could be under possible transfer sanctions over this summer I mean when I first heard it I immediately thought oh that would be a fantastic addition a talented Mexican winger in his prime with 23 national team caps and a bright future ahead of him then then the sensibility kicks in and you're like yeah well the Whitecaps don't seem to have a ton of money just now they're already paying the salaries for two players for a little bit that they don't even have at the club anymore. Yeah. Uh, a Mexican player coming to Vancouver would seem a little bit of a, a strange move. He is in his prime. Why would he choose the white caps? But the biggest red thing for me was he's a winger. And Vanny's made it very clear of his views on wingers. But the Mexican media were reporting it. Now, Har. You know she likes to be on top of all these transfer rumours. She had a chance to speak to Axel Schuster after the game on Saturday just to ask him about these rumours and was there any truth to it. Here's what Axel had to tell her. 
So the rumor mill was turning earlier today. I understand the Caps are not linked to Diego Lanes. What can you tell us about this Mexican winger? I heard the very first time about all of this and also his link to us by uh, this very friendly guy that forwarded me the message and the tweet and I haven't heard anything about it before so it, I would, it would be a big surprise if, uh, if something would be right to that because if I don't know I don't think that there's anything to know. Honestly, short and pregnant, nothing. Nothing, have you, really have you zero. talked to Diego's agent? I don't even know who his agent is. Maybe I have talked to his agent, but not about this player because I don't know who his agent is because I have never, never, we have never started discussions about the player. And I, he was also not brought up to me so far. So. so he's not coming in the secondary transfer window? No. Well, colour me shocked, Zach. No truth in the rumours at all. Axel has had no chats about this player, doesn't even know if he's spoken to the, the player's agent. He may have, but not about this player. It did seem too good to be true, but unless Axel is playing a very clever game of throwing everyone off the scent, yeah, he's not coming here. Um, Michael, you know why he's not coming here? It, it's it's right there in, in the description of him. He's a winger. Man, he doesn't <laughs> play wingers. Exactly. Why, so why would anyone give any credence to them looking after a I mean, it was reported in, in proper Mexican media outlets. But again, if the Galaxy are in negotiations with him, this is agents just yeah. getting other interest, trying to drive that deal another, up. Another, so another the Galaxy needs him. The Galaxy most definitely need to be adding him. If we played winner, wingers, I'd love to add him. But yeah, doesn't look that it's happening. I think we can put that one to bed. And we're going to put to bed the Whitecaps and MLS chat for this show. We're going to be turning our attention to the CPL next. Canada's top tier, according to Zach. As we're going to turn our attention to Vancouver FC's home opener. And we'll be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Brian White and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's our Artist of the Month here at AFTN for the month of May from Ireland, Ash. And that is the band's fourth single, released in 1995. The first one to be taken from their debut album, 1977, 
released in 1996. Giving you a lot of dates here. And that was a song called Kung Fu. And it's got a football connection, Zach, because it features the iconic image of Eric Cantona doing his Kung Fu kick on the Crystal Palace fan as the singles cover. A genius idea. I got them so much publicity and it's it's an iconic shot. And for me, it's one of the best kind of football related kind of song covers of all time. Love, love that image. And the guy deserved it. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was that was a crazy moment in football. Do you know what else was a crazy moment? Vancouver FC. <laughs> six years in the making. I've gone with yeah. six. It might be less. It might be more. But we're no, sticking with the six. It, it, uh, it's uh, six years. Because I thought it was 2017, isn't it? I'm 2017. Sure, but... May, May 2017 is when I had my first... Uh, Coffee, cup of coffee with Rob Friend to talk about all this, and yeah, well, we are, well we're sticking with the six years because after six years in the making, a Vancouver CPL side kicked off a home game, albeit in Langley, but to me it is still Vancouver. We'll come to that when we speak to Rob Friend in the next part. Yeah, but it's it was a momentous day. It was a historic day. Vancouver FC one one draw with Cavalry. We'll get into the game a little bit later in this part. But because there has been a day so many years in the making, and you've been involved, as you said, you first chatted to Rob about this way back six years ago. What what was today like for you? We spoke about last week, like what you were looking forward to, what this meant to you, et cetera, et cetera. And we spoke to, to the players and stuff in the build-up to this game. But now that it's passed, it might all have gone in a bit of a blur and you maybe haven't had fully time to think about this. But how was it for you, Zach? Uh, yeah, it was mostly really good. Um, it was it was it was an emotional day, Michael. There were some times there. There was a few moments where, um, kind of finished setting up in the stadium, and we were kind of leaving. And it was uh, actually at that moment, at that time, it was just me and a guy named Dave Marchand, and it was just like he's a guy who lives in Langley, who um, sported out with matches in the in the yeah, past. Yeah, he's very active on the. Vancouver FC Discord channel on Canucks Abroad, which I recommend everyone yeah. dig out as well. Yeah, and yeah. Join the Canucks he, Abroad. He, he, he is on there. He asked yeah. me. Yeah, he asked me. He's like, "Why aren't you talking more in there?" I'm like, "Cause I don't have time to do that." But um, no, it was it, we were there, and it was just like, yeah, I was just like, "Can you believe this is finally happening?" Like it was just, yeah. And then just hanging out with some people who haven't hung out without a football match in a long time. You know, you know, Mass was there, which is always great um, even though he stood up in the corner um and then i want to be associated with you anymore no no he's like he's he's kind of retired um but he um uh yeah like john and john and karen were there and um uh smitty was there and slam all the old south side guys from way back in the usl days so many people and then there's all these people who are from across the the spectrum of supporters in in the lower mainland that um, I knew knew less. There were more acquaintances, and now I've gotten to know them more. And um, yeah, it was just really, it was really really special. And um, uh, yeah, I mean, f- for me, Michael, if I'm honest, like yeah, I just I want the support side of things to go well. Like the football is important, obviously, because that's what you're there to support. But like. You want things to go well, and it, it mostly went well. Um, our megaphone died in the second half, which was not oh. super helpful for for getting larger groups of people to sing together. But um, that's okay. Well, see, 
you mentioned this and as soon as anyone mentions megaphone a song comes into my head of something i was sober i will point out in this thing but we were at an east fife game and there was a traffic cone in the ground so one of the guys was picking oh, it yeah. up and yelling through it and we we're all going traffic cone as a megaphone traffic cone as a megaphone so whenever i hear megaphone that image just comes flooding back to me that's awesome it actually didn't die it just had an issue we, we gotta see what wasn't like batteries died oh. with some other some other issue whenever you turned on the talk function the siren function would go on told you i think before as well i had a megaphone back in the east five days as well and at one of the games at montrose i was yelling through it and one of the players had yelled i'm gonna take that megaphone and shove up your fucking arse and it was our own player that said that <laughs> What were you saying? Like, no, we're just like encouraging them. Come on, come on, come on. <laughs> well, see, usually, I mean, I'll, I won't lie. There was uh, definitely a moment or two where I think I turned the megaphone towards the, the referee today and <laughs> expressed some things. But um, but the megaphone's supposed to be like for your own people. Uh, yeah, I know. We, we used it differently. Differently, different, yeah. We also oh, had you? we had one with a siren on it as well. It was, woo, 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 woo. You saw, what did you you saw always say? Di- it was different times. Or? Different times. <laughs> it was acceptable in but no, it, it the eighties. It was an it was an emotional day. It was yeah. It was it was good. I mean, like Pacific away, my, my family was all there, and um, my Kirk was helping out with the logistical stuff, and Liz was helping out with Tifo, and uh, my wife was there just being amazing and. Yeah, there's all these people, like so many people. And it, for me, it's like this cross-section of of people that, yeah, some are football people, some are people I, you know, work work with were there or have worked with or friends from back in, like back in school or people from Langley, one of my refugee, Karen refugee buddies was there and came uh-huh. over to connect. And one of the students I work with now, he was there, it was his birthday and he came over and, um yeah, it was just there were so many people from so different, so many different places and whatever. See, and were... I, I was just gonna say that that's the thing about football and this sport. I, I like other sports, obviously, do this as well. But we're a football show, so we're going to talk about that. But yeah. it it just creates these magical moments. It creates this community yeah. and this bond, and you're all there with this bond and. This is something that I don't like a lot about North American sports is I don't feel there's that community affinity really with a number of clubs across all sports. Yeah. But then you look at like college football, pigskin. Mm. Yeah. And that affinity that people have with the colleges, the local universities in their town, if they went there or if it's in their town or whatever. Yeah. That needs to be bottled and spread around soccer. That's and true. I, I think in in the lower leagues, you do have that, and it, it does grow. Funnily enough, we'll talk about that with some comments that Don Garber made this week later in the show, but I, you, you've got these special moments, and you get these momentous days, like a home opener, like the first ever game in Pacific. And these are the things that live in the minds of obviously the hardcore like us but the casuals that go along that's what gets them smitten that's what gets them falling in love with the game and then they tell 
as they get older, they tell their kids or their grandkids, oh, this this was the first ever game played in Langley and I was at this, or this was the first game played over in the island and I threw a beer can at a player and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but, but these are the magical moments. And I, I so wish I could have been there with you because I know how much this meant to you. And it's great to know, like, like could you fully take it all in? Uh, I mean... I mean, here's the thing. Well, I know you want to talk about this more, but like when you're when you're <laughs> when you're doing a a, a decent sized display as we did today, you, it, there's so many logistical things, and we were trying things that we've never done before, and or yeah, no, I don't think any of us had done that done a rigged thing before, um, and so yeah, there was just so many because i mean when you're doing a thing where you're trying to have people hold up the thing you know whatever hold up everyone in the section to hold up these colors and whatever like you're worried are there going to be enough people is it going to look empty is it whatever yeah. and you're, you're doing this thing and then because of the way the thing is you have to put the words in places you don't really want them and and then there's whatever and then there was a misunderstanding over you know are people having access to be behind the net for for it and so there's all just all these things kind of happening so at the beginning it was hard to yeah hard to enjoy it was like just kind of putting up you know a little fires after little fires or maybe a big one with the with the pitch access oh is that what the big issue was for you yeah like it was just a, a misunderstanding about us needing to be on the on the pitch and and uh, so it got sorted out. Um, Ted, Ted Rogers, <laughs> um, who's you know plays a big he role, sorted it in three, two, one. <laughs> yeah, no, he was he was very very helpful. Uh, he was he sold a few, put out a few fires for us today. But um, I'm I'm uh, just looking like Tom, our pho brilliant photographer at AFTN Residual Image. He's just uploaded the oh. the photos, so I'm just looking at some of them just now because yeah. I've seen a couple of things. I haven't had much of a chance to look at Twitter. We've been at three games today and then recording this. I have watched the highlights, but didn't really show it on the highlights. And I have PVR'd the whole game, which I'll try and watch back at some point this week. But it looks very striking. Love the the coloured things getting held up and the yeah. So let, well, let's, should we talk about that for a minute? Yeah. So okay. So we um yeah. It's your first ever game. It's, you're at home. There was always this question. There's a there was a little bit of tension, you know, over the. Is it gonna is it gonna sell out? Like, will the sections be full in the end? Can because if the sections aren't full, you can't do that kind of thing, right? Mm. And so it was always kind of whatever. So we we had conversations about let's have stuff ready, and then if we don't think it's gonna be full, then we can um, remove that element. But essentially, there was five oh, elements. Okay. So the first element is the 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 placards or the pieces of in this case the pieces of fabric that we invited everyone to hold up. So the outside sections are holding up black. The in the, the the next two sections of them are holding up white, and the middle section is holding up red. Yeah, Tom's got one of the photos he's got up is before the crowd are in. So I'm just yeah, seeing you, it now on all the yes. the empty. I was going to say seats, but it's it's safe standing, so it's the, I guess the barriers. Yeah. yeah, they're on the railings. Yeah, so that gives you a glimpse, right? That gives you an idea of what mm -hmm. what we're kind of going for. Um, so that was first element. Second element was um, again just working with the stewards of our club. Um, we asked them to to play the the music from the, the Imperial March from from Star Wars. Yeah, because when I was with you on Friday, you'd mentioned about a special instrumental song, and I didn't know what it was. Yeah. I thought it was an instrumental of Sweet Dreams that you were going with. No, but no, this is very cool. 
So, and this is this is also so. I mean, it's, it's a few things, right? We, we went with Star Wars because uh, it's around May the fourth, and actually, in the Star uh-huh. Wars week of celebrations, I think May seventh is like, uh, um, so May the fourth, right? May the fourth be with, May the fourth be with you. Mm-hmm. May seventh is like May the Sith, be, May the, the Sith be with you, or the uh-huh. Revenge of the Sith, or I don't know what something like this. Um, and then, um, and then. Uh, so when we were thinking about Star Wars, if you, Michael, if you Google Star Wars TIFO, there's the most, uh, something that we we kind of pay homage to with this, and we is, is acted as inspiration, especially with the, the music and the singing that we did to it. There's a great display by uh, Ultras in, in Bulgaria, CSK Sophia Ultras. You should Google that sometime, look it up. And uh, they do a thing, it's with Darth Vader and, and whatever, but they sing, they sing to the Imperial March, and that's what we were trying to do. So you won't hear it in those videos from up in the press box that like Alex took or whatever, or Ben took or whatever. But um, but yeah, so we were singing, we were singing to the Imperial Imperial March. VFC Vancouver, Vancouver, V anyways, you get the idea. Yeah, it's um, awesome. I've just Googled Sophia as well. I see some videos yeah. and some yeah you should watch those videos so 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 that that was a a little bit inspiration for that and then so then the next piece is the the main piece which is emperor afshin so uh afshin as the emperor comes up and that's the rig piece in the middle and then after that the word banners come up on the other side welcome to the dark side so this is a a moniker obviously that's been used by the the stewards of our club in in yeah bb5 yeah (laughs) helping to differentiate uh vancouver fc in the in the the professional football uh, community in yes. the Lower Mainland, um, and so I, I do love it. It's like because, like, for anyone that doesn't know, I was telling that beforehand. Like, BB Five had used this for a couple of years after some local soccer issues and stuff. Issues, yeah. And I, I love just basically the shithousery of it all. And I, I, I do like that Vancouver FC have taken it on, and especially because obviously they play in in black as well. Yeah. And then, and then again, it differentiates them from you know other people and stuff. And so we obviously we had a conversation because we were like, okay, this fits. It fits with what we want to do in display. But some people, some part of the conversation was, hey, do we want to use you know a hashtag, a, a slogan that that the stewards of our club are using? And so we had a discussion around that. Like you know, there's always this tension as supporters between independence and um, and working with the stewards of your club, right, to move things forward. And so we thought. You know, this is uh, this is a phrase that's from the you know you know based on the, the these films, and um, and uh, we just thought it was I think in the end a, a good a good fit and, and also we we didn't tell the stewards of our club we were using <laughs> going to use it they didn't know what the words were going to be, um, but um, so it felt like a it felt like a, a good fitting thing and the last part last uh, the fifth element was was smoke. And so we had a little bit yeah, of Yeah, there's a couple smoke. of photos to see with the with the smoke yeah. here. Yeah. We I haven't seen a good photo with all the smoke out, but uh, I know one of the smoke smoke uh, uh devices didn't didn't deploy the way it was intended. But so there were six people actually holding a smoke, some black and white smoke at the top. That was that, that's probably one of the elements of, of if we're going back I'd probably um well, if we if we could do it easier based because there's all kinds of guidelines to so you smoke at stadiums like this in the CPL. Yeah. And so we followed those guidelines. I think in an ideal world we would have tried something a little bit different, but it, all in all, like uh, I think it was meaningful. Uh, people engaged in the in the section, um, and it felt fitting. And and yeah, and so again, we're talking about community. These things don't 
don't have like tifo doesn't make itself right like it's this huge community of people that come together from you know um you know ideas and conversations and and concepts to you know graphic design to tracing to you know painting to cutting all that all the fabric and all that kind of stuff it's it's like a, and then obviously setting up and then de deploying and then cleaning up at the end so there's like this this community of people that um put in a lot of time and a lot of energy and a lot of effort and and it, it, it's not cheap so there's people who fronted <laughs> fronted some significant amount of money and you know we're we're trying to fundraise to offset that with shirts and different things uh raffles and all that kind of stuff but no it was it was it was the, the doing the display like i you know you know me michael like i i love i love doing the visual displays i think it's important and meaningful and connects with your your players and with your club and um yeah the, even this the small one against against pacific was just a lot a lot of fun to do and, and this was a different kind of thing that um, I don't know the next time we'll be able to do something on that scale, but... Um, yeah, because I, I don't... Like, folk probably think, oh, you can do stuff like this every week. The oh. amount of work that goes into it, because I know how many hours you've poured into this. Yeah. That's why I always appreciate I, you find the time to do this as well, because it's like you're spending a lot... You spent a lot yeah, of time and, getting this ready. And I can't stress enough. It's like, it's... it's. it's uh, so, I mean, you, you can only have so many paint, people painting a thing at one time or whatever, but oh, then yeah. there's multiple shifts and multiple different groups of people and then like yeah all the the setup and the the takedown and the like there yeah there were so many people and the deployment obviously the all the people in the section who you know chose to go along with things right and yeah just so so much so much work and so yeah i'm just really thankful for the the this this the community of the fraser valley fanatics and um how things are are shaping up and um yeah, it was just it was nice to be in a state uh, in a in a stadium, uh, our own stadium, and and kind of get the the ball rolling. Like I said earlier, sucked that the megaphone died because that made it harder to bring more people into chanting together in, in unison. But that's a, a hiccup that we can you know hopefully overcome in the in the future in an ideal world. Um, but well, you, so you want to talk about the stadium, right? Well, yeah, I've got a couple, couple of questions I want to ask you just about general stuff because obviously I haven't yeah. been able to take a proper game in there yet. So just keep it on the fans just quickly to, oh, yeah. to finish that off. Not in your section, but elsewhere in the stadium. So I, I've seen pictures. I've just looked at Tom's pictures just now, watched the, the highlights. It, it was said to be a sellout. There was obviously quite a lot of empty seats still uh, around the stadium, but you don't know how many they were actually able to to sell so it may have been a sellout from what was actually available but the the other like out out with the supporters section the other two stands yeah. what was the kind of vibe what was the the atmosphere with the fans were they getting into the game yeah i think there were i think everyone was kind of into the game so some of my friends i had friends in, in each of those other two stands and they were they really in, enjoyed it now I, I don't know if they i don't think they were chanting or anything like that but in terms of like engaging in the game and we have some of our people some of the, the fanatics are not in the, the section. They're in other parts of the stand as well. And they came over after and talked about how they could hear and see stuff and, and whatever. So, yeah, I mean, I, I've read some a little bit of the criticism online. And I think it comes from, you know, uh, in particular, uh, some people who support other clubs in the in the lower mainland. And so, you know, that you take that maybe with a grain of salt or whatever, talking about the, the quote-unquote sellout or whatever. Um, but, yeah, I mean... 
uh, those other two, uh, my, all none, none of the stands were like full to the brim. They were no. definitely, definitely Wait, which for a stand that has just got finished, and there's still some cosmetic stuff still to do. Like when we yes. were there on Friday, they were still working away. Yeah, they were like beavering away trying to get stuff finished. So I, I think there might have been a lower actual crowd that they could sell tickets for, just from a safety aspect. Never mind anything else, but. Yeah, I and you know that's a, that's a good point. I don't know. I don't know what the actual number is. I never mm. asked. No, I haven't seen. I'll uh, try and dig that out while, while we're recording. It, but it's, it's probably at least five thousand. How? Did, oh well, I mean they they had said they'd sold five thousand tickets on Friday, and then oh, it was Friday, announced right. as a sellout. So, so I mean, it's obviously so going to be more six, than that. Six thousand ish. Yeah. What yeah, was, I, logistically? What was it like? I guess you weren't really moving around the stadium too much, but I mean. Was it easy? Well, parking to get in and out. Tom had mentioned that it was he took a bit of time getting out, but then once he found what the right lane was to be into, he got out quite quickly. I think he was in the the wrong lane initially. Yeah, I mean, was moving around the stadium was was parking and, and stuff quite quite good. Oh, Michael, when you get there at ten thirty in the morning, just well, yeah, I guess you had to pick in. the parking. I, I had the parking spot right out front the the west the west uh, the west stand where the where we were coming in and going out. Ah, well, that's that was good. And then, and then I got a ride to go grab a bite to eat after, so um, my card stayed there the whole time. So that was that was fine. So um, I know they had food trucks as well. Looking at Tom's pictures and stuff, yeah, was they, that a decent food selection. I didn't. The only I only saw what was in the southwest corner, and they had two different or two same uh triple o food trucks mm. um so i didn't see all the selection that was uh available well, again there's more coming on as well it's still yeah but in terms of the cosmetic yeah so the ground <laughs> the ground is uh when, when you're inside in the stadium and you're watching the game um it's, you're mostly like you're like oh this is a nice little like a nice little stadium right like it's a nice little atmosphere it's the kind of stadiums we need in canada and the cpl i think needs mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, obviously, all the, obviously all the, with roofs as well. Although there is the, the there's the cabana clubs that got the roofs, yeah, those and are the, like the, the the three tents that's the press box. Yeah, that, yeah. Um, it was funny because Woodward, the mayor 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 of the township of Langley, Woodward, you know, said some words at the beginning, and then Rob Fred said some made some comments, and all I heard him say we heard him say was, "And you're going to get us that roof, right?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, superb, Rob. Yeah, I think we'll. Uh, I think we'll. Yeah, I think. <laughs> was the grass good? Was it well, well cut. Not, uh, not too bad. No, no cleats getting caught in it. Well, it is the uh, highest rated uh, pitch in all of British Columbia. If um, FIFA's rated. Oh, top grass seeds down. No, it's it's still. I know. Artificial. I'm being facetious. That I, I mean, it is multi-use and it's getting used for rugby and. So they painted over the rugby. I believe there's a, this. I believe there's some other soccer-related activities that have their eye on using the stadium as well this year. Oh, I'm sure they do, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, you're, cosmetically, yeah, there's tons of things that need to be done, right? Like, there's, you know, uh, where the... Well, they've got another week to, to get it done before the next one. Yeah, I think, though, I think, well, I wonder if they'll put in as much overtime, like the city or the municipality will choose to pay as much overtime as they probably did this last week. Um, so maybe some things will be improved. I'm, sh- I'm not sure how many will get that, that big improvement. I would assume by the maybe the third game there would be even even more. But like, yeah, there needs to be like like it was gravel, right? Like lots of my, the entryway in the southwest corner was it was all just gravel, you know, a gravel pathway and whatever. And so that'll get, you know, I assume paved or whatever um, at some point. Um, 
but uh yeah and yeah so it's like it's in, on the outside it's incomplete and then when you're under the stands you're like okay yeah this it, it feels more like uh it's like when you when you go to like even when you like when i first went to bemo you know it's kind of like it's kind of like if they stripped all the nice things like not nice things if they stripped all the siding away because you can just see through all this it's almost like scaffolding right yeah because i'm looking at some of tom's photos and that some of the activities are under the stand and it's yes. just like you're you're in a mechano set <laughs> yeah exactly exactly so i don't know if the plan is to how they're what they're going to do cosmetically for that um but also for me i'm like i'm not the person they need to do that for right because i don't know i don't care about that stuff yeah and so the south uh the south stand the the valley is 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 great like it's uh, the safe standing is is that was that was the other thing i was going to ask you how did i've never actually been in a stadium that's got safe standing i've always been i've been in many stadiums that's got unsafe standing it feels in the lower levels of scottish football but i've never been in one of these newfangled safe standing ones so the rails are 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 good um now each row does have like a like a, a bench in it so it's you can sit down if you want um but um it, it's very they're very narrow so mm-hmm. there's like it's it's one of the things because it's ga right it's there was a lot of like hey someone's sitting on the outside of the row so you really have to want to go to the middle <laughs> like you really want to squeeze by a whole bunch of people or ask them to move there's a little bit like that's not ideal but yeah and then there's there is a bit of a walk if you go further up like five six seven or eight rows or whatever there is a bit of a, a wider walkway and at the back there's um another walkway where there's no seating at the at the very very back okay um but and then that stand i didn't i haven't been in the other stands at all um but it's it's I, yeah it's it's pretty good it's it's pretty exciting they also uh, i don't know if i told you this before but they also have way more capacity in there than they originally told us there was going to be so originally we were told you know all five sections are going to be the same size and there's going to be like 240 people in each section for 1200 people well in actuality that stand i think can hold almost 1800 people which was which was which was a bit of an issue again when we were preparing for things and Mm. the numbers the numbers changed oh of course with the holding the stuff up yeah i mean the the other good thing the weather held firm for it It wow a nice day as well that was that was the other thing that was really helpful because again going in and planning and preparing you're like what if it's wet and okay so what are we going to do we're going to have all these wet pieces of fabric hanging and asking people to hold them up and yeah not good let's get on to the the game we won't delve too much into the game to to be honest but it finished 1-1 but there's only one really one thing to talk about in the game isn't there yeah that fantastic (laughs) opening goal by shan hundle and as the first goal goal scored on home turf no we're gonna go back to the 29th minute and a decision that really could have changed the game rocco romeo sent off for a challenge on bevan it did kind of change the game like well, are you saying VFC would have won if it had been 11 v 11? Uh, I still think a draw might have been a... But I was expecting a draw coming out of this one, to be honest, since Cavalry are the draw specialists this yeah. year. I would have fancied our chances at a win. I guess if you get a goal, get the crowd behind you, it can lift it over the line. And we've seen what momentum can do in games. Just have to look at 
TSS getting that opening goal against Valor and then the crowd lifted them and they scored again the second soon after. But yeah, Rocco Romeo was sent off in the 29th. For me, and obviously I, I need a guy's leg to be hanging off sometimes for it to be a red card, but I, 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 not only do I not see this as being a red card, I barely see justification to give Romeo a yellow. Because like Bevan a... goes in leading with his arm out, and I think Rocco Romeo just kind of reacts as you kind of would by moving his arm to protect himself from an arm going into his face. Yeah, like like I told you before, Michael, I think the appropriate call on this play was made by the referee's assistant, where he raised his flag and pointed for a Vancouver FC throw-in. No foul, in his opinion. And uh, yeah, I, which is which was interesting when the ref went to go talk to him about it. Um, yeah, I mean that was it was. Yeah, to me, it wasn't even a foul. I'll, if I'm honest, like, I've gone back and watched it on uh, small screens, on big screens. It's not a foul. Uh, uh, someone on Twitter who I respect was saying, like, I hope that they can. And this is not a person from this part of the country was saying, I hope they can appeal this or or whatever, because it's it's a travesty that that. Well, that you saw Ashin and Niall Thompson just losing yeah. it on the bench. Yeah, rightly oh, yeah. so, and it's like Ashley must be wondering what are these referees like robbed in the Canadian Championship, and then this could have this could have really gone uh, awry for Vancouver if Cavalry taking full advantage of having that extra man for an hour, which they they just didn't, which no. was also surprising as well. But yeah, I mean, it's these decisions. As much as I hate VAR, it's these decisions that I wish that we had it sometimes, but then. Would somebody have looked at it and thought it was clear and obvious to overturn that decision? That's, I mean, it, I think this has this been the big it, debate that's happening in Scotland just now because it's like this decision that's just not been consistent and it's still down to perception and sometimes human error. Well, in this case, Michael, though, I think, it, I think it would it was pretty clear and obvious. It was definitely not a red card. Um, yeah, I think we. When you when you have you you saying uh, questionable yellow and and someone obviously I'm biased but like saying no I think the referee's assistant is right I, I don't I don't think any, I don't think that would have been upheld with VAR I mean I, I get baffled sometimes like in the game I was commentating on today the men's game altitude and unity another Langley team one of the Langley players grabbed. Like it was, it was a pretty wild tackle from the altitude guy. He kind of jumped into it, won the ball, but it wasn't given as a free kick. And then the unity guy didn't like it and reacted by grabbing him round the throat, like putting his arm totally round him like that and wrestling him to the ground. And then <laughs> stuff like kicked off. So the, the linesman, the referee, and then the fourth official had a big confab about it, and there wasn't even a yellow card issued to the guy. That's crazy. So you've got that on one extreme, and then you've got this in the other, where it's a red card that I don't think was worth it at all. And it's, I don't know, the refereeing these days, it's just so much confusion. But Cavalry didn't take full advantage of it. They did take the lead. Mikhail Cantave, minute after the restart. And, I mean, you, you must have thought when that went in, oh, this is going to be it now. Cavalry's going to go on in the second half and push on and and take the points, but not great defensive play has to be said from Vancouver in this one. 
Uh, yeah, I felt really. I didn't see it, Michael. Uh, wow. As I, I sometimes don't with, in these situations, I didn't see anything at all. I didn't even know. Actually, didn't even know there was a goal until the came over the uh, PA. Uh, yeah, well, you didn't uh, hear all the cavalry fans cheering. No, they were in the, they were there in numbers. So it was nice yeah, to see them make that. They trip. were there. There was a, no less than thirty five tickets sold in the, for them in their section. Full, full kudos to them for making this yeah. trip. Especially yeah, those who try. Especially, oh, no, they, yeah. They're getting away from the Alberta heat at the moment, bizarrely. Yeah. And full credit, full credit to all those who travels from Alberta. Yeah, the goal though, going back to the goal, I felt it was a, I felt so bad for Pele. Like it was a double, a double, not error, but a double whammy for him. Right, he, he, he makes a, a poor headed clearance, and like I told you, I was saying to you before, it reminded me of the of the goal given up against Pacific. Poor headed clearance goes to the the cavalry player. What's his name again? I can't. Oh, the, the guy that. Scored? That scored. Kentave. Kentave, right. Goes to falls to Kentave and then he smashes it back. He nutmegs Pele to find the bottom corner with leaving Irving like no no chance. Yeah. He, um, he def Pele defended that very stiffly. That's a Viagra joke for the other Pele. Oh, uh, okay. I was like, I'm missing something. But I have to explain my jokes. It's it's no good. No. But yeah, I mean, it wasn't a great goal. And it's, there's been such a solid defensive unit. There's been a couple of, of little questionable ones there. But on the whole, it's been very solid. But, I, I mean, I thought Cavalry would have gone on and, and pushed on from that. But six minutes later, very scrappy goal to be the first well, Vancouver well, just, goal scored at home turf. But Just one more thing about it. Obviously, again, if Romeo's in there, maybe that doesn't, doesn't even happen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it would have. But you're right, scra scrappy goal with good build-up, though. Yeah. yeah. Sandoval plays in Hundo. Hundo scores it and looks like he's appealing for a penalty, not knowing that he's ended up in the back as, of the yeah. net. As he's going down, he's sort of looking at the ref like, hey, I'm being taken out. And then it goes in and he's like, yeah, that one oh, I did. it's okay, I'll take the goal. Yeah, I'll take the goal. <laughs> good celebration, whole yep. team coming together. You can see the – one of the great things about this group is you can, you can see how Afshin, who, again – I think is doing a, a tremendous job. Uh, how he's bringing them together. There's this. There's this togetherness with this group, uh, and they just they they battle no matter what the circumstance is. You know, poor penalties given, poor red cards given, whatever. They just they keep going. They keep fighting, and you. you it was so awesome to the yeah. For the I love the way they celebrated that goal. I mean, I, I know it's somewhat cliche to say this, but if you play as a team. Mm. and not as individuals, you're going to yeah. get better results. And this has been a team bond, that, and you've seen it right from the start, right in the pre-season games. Yeah. Now, two quick questions for you. Yeah. Are you going to be singing a song now for Shan Hundo in the 52nd minute of matches? <laughs> so I think I told you about it. So what we did for, for it's actually Sean. It's not Shan. Oh, despite it being two A's. Yeah. I, I we 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 asked someone who deals with him every day. Well, it looks like you're going to cover my second question as well, which was, did you do the one in the sixth minute? We did, yeah, six so six minute we did. So six minute we did. So I talked. I think I told you about this, right? What we were going to yeah. do? Yeah, the dining. So we just, so. yeah. So we did as a one off though, as a as a one off. We just uh, because of his history and uh, you know uh, Danny Dickio being his coach and his like mentor or whatever, and that whole your whole conversation with him there or whatever. Uh, we thought we'd sing his name to the same tune. I don't know what the name of the tune is. The tune that was sung for for Danny, or is still sung for Danny, uh, uh, you know, in, in Toronto in the twenty fourth minute or whatever. 
And um, so, yeah, we sang that in the sixth minute for him. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I, it, the intention is not to continue to keep that song. In fact, there's uh, a good song that's uh, that uh, has been made up for him that um, is totally different to, to that, <laughs> to that one um, that will probably be used going forward. But in terms of like every match in this minute, I don't know that it's going to be a part of the tradition. Did did you get a reaction from him when you sang it? Like, did he give you a wee wave or? Uh, you know, honestly, I think he was mostly up the other end of the pitch during that uh, whole minute. Uh, well, 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 you'll tell him about it. Yeah, I haven't seen any of the post game, so maybe he was asked about that in the post game. I, 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 we'll I, doubt, I doubt it, but. Last thing to talk about in the match, a couple of big stops from Callum Irvin late yeah. on to secure that point and that just shows you the importance as we've talked so much about of Callum to this team. Yeah, that one dive, the one was the going near the top corner, that one was a huge save. And then there was the the other one right at the end. Um, the One moment, I, I, you haven't had a chance to watch the whole game, right? No, not yet. So there's... Um, Obviously, one of the players who has endeared himself to the the fanatics and just to those who have been watching the club in general um, is uh, is Ibra, Ibrahim. Uh, I'm probably butchering his name, Bakari, right? Um, and it was his birthday today. Ah. Um, there was this moment in the second half. You know, we're down a man, and he he's naturally a center back. Um, who they've been playing him a lot at right center back or right yeah. back, just out and out right back. And you and I have, have had conversations about Yeah, about and the altitude friendly he was playing a right back yeah. in the second half. And he's played some in the league already. Um, but he he made this run through the kind of through the middle of the field and sort of went through like at least I think three, maybe even more calves. And a couple times they were like hanging off him and he kind of kept going. And then finally, I think he got, they, they, there was a call for a foul. Like they fouled him to stop him. And he did one of those, like, after he did one of those, like, like screams and like flexes. And it was just so, it was, it was so awesome. Well, I watched out for that when I watched the, the game. Yeah. And, the, and then after the game, I think he, like, the final whistle goes and he's like, he gives like a shouts out, like, let's go. But he's like, Pulling on the crest, right on his shirt. Oh, I saw that on the highlights. Yeah, yeah. that he was. Yeah, yeah and then he goes. And if you haven't seen it, he gives a like a three minute interview with one soccer at the end, which is also really awesome and shows his um his passion. He's uh, he's a yeah well spoken individual and uh, yeah he's one of the people that um one of the people and personalities in this you know inaugural team that is has uh, supporters excited for both his play and his personality. Yeah. Really excited to see. And, and I've he, liked what I've seen from him so far. I have to he's say. one of the players, right? We've we talked about this before. He's one of the players that's from sixth division in England, mm-hmm. right? That they've plucked Shows out. Shows you the and, quality of the top tier in Canada then, doesn't it, yeah. Zach? We, we've known other people who, who's going to pluck, we're going to pluck um, players from non-league who... That was fifth oh, That was fifth tier that Robo yeah. was going to go for. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, he he said he couldn't yeah. do it. He, he got butchered here. Yeah, he was the leading scorer, I think it was with Lincoln City, and he wanted to bring yeah. him in, but he said... He's going to get goals, but it'll be look. Oh, look how cheap the Whitecaps are! They're signing non-league players. Yeah. So there's some Vardy, out there. He went from non-league to being the superstar that he is. Yep. You snooze, you lose. You lose. I have to mention the new mascot. Yeah. Not a patch and Stewie for me, but does he have a name? I haven't had a chance to look yet. Ah, uh, I, I don't know. 
Uh, they they are looking to do some. I, I don't know if this is going to be possible. They have been like trying to do uh, some things with real with a real eagle that would be. Yeah, we were talking about that on. To, oh, you, to you Steph on Friday. I was yes. there. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, actually, talking to Steph, did she play my my request of the skids into the valley? Uh, I was busy, so I didn't notice. But I'm guessing probably not. Although, if they don't, it well, she knew the song as being an oh, yeah. English person. Yeah. I was going to say off my age. I don't know if she is. <laughs> Close to my age anyway. So I think she doesn't know that song and she did like it and think, oh, that's a that's a good idea. So if anyone did hear it, let me know. Just having think, a quick she, look. You know what you she, can see? She, I mean, it's it's been a crazy few weeks for her, right? And then on top of that, her husband's uh, blades have been promoted. So when you're, when you're in a, we should have her on to talk about this, but when you're in yeah. a household where where the one spouse uh, supports Sheffield the Owls, Sheffield Wednesday, and the other supports the Blades, Sheffield United. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, it can be kind of be kind of interesting. Anyway, it was a a special day as we talked about for a number of people. One of them in particular, of course, being Rob Friend. It's been a a long process for the owner Rob to get this team up and running. We got a chance to to chat to Rob on Friday. Played some of the the press conference chat that we had with Rob in the extra podcast. Going to bring you a little bit of that now and the other chat that I had with Rob after everything. Just looking about getting this project off the ground and how he continues to take it forward. So go stick the kettle on, grab your biscuit of choice and enjoy our chat with Vancouver FC owner Rob Friend. So, Rob, this game on Sunday, it's been in the making for five, six years, maybe. When you look out there now and you see the stadium, it might not be quite the finished article, I know, yet. What, how are you feeling to see that this dream that you had has finally come to fruition? Yeah, I'd, I'd say multiple emotions, right? It's uh, it's surreal to, to stand here and look at the stadium that really was a vision, uh, I'd say five years ago when we started this league. Um, you know, I've always had had the vision to put a professional team in Vancouver, um, something different uh, that, that represents football differently here. Um, you know, creating our own venue that uh, we can call home, a soccer-specific venue. I'm proud of that. There's nothing like it in Vancouver. Um, so, yeah, no, I'm, I'm proud. Uh, I'm emotional. Uh, it's, it's a surreal moment, and certainly I think on Sunday when, when, when the whistle's blown and, you know, seeing, seeing fans pack the stadium and, and this new club that we launched six months ago and, and all the hard work and the blood, sweat, and tears that, that everyone's put into this and to see, see supporters and fans wear the brand and, and the jersey and support the club, uh, it's special. And, and, and I really hope it's start of uh, something, something big, something special that's uh, going to outlast my life and, and everyone else's and, and be here forever. It looks like a good crowd on Sunday. The weather looks like it's going to play nice as well for you. How do you then keep that momentum going and keep the interest going and engage the public the way that you want to engage them? Yeah, I mean, that's a challenge, right? Vancouver's not a, not an easy sports market generally. Um, you know, we're competing with different elements, um, other clubs, other professional organizations. Um, so I think we, we're challenged with 
um, you know, those elements. But I think looking at it this differently is is what can we offer that's different than than the rest of the uh, the, the Lower Mainland sports market, um, you know, and, and that to me starts with the venue. It's, it's entertainment. I get it. We're selling entertainment first. Um, I'm I'm a soccer purist, but I understand that we have to sell the entertainment value of this. Um, it's certainly it's 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 affordable. It's accessible. I think this market south of the river is is looking for something unique as well. So capturing this market from, you know, again, south of the river. Um, so really it's, it's about creating, creating you know, the, the entire balance that, um, that brings people to the stadium week in, week out. Um, obviously the on-field product's important. I'm excited about that. I'm confident on that. We have to provide a, a you know, a unique off-field experience as well, you know, with, with everything that the stadium offers from entertainment to, to good local beer. To, to family entertainment, I understand that. Um, I believe we can provide that, that that no one else can in the Lower Mainland. And uh, so I, I think the first few games we have to capture the fans that are here. And and then I do believe when they leave that stadium, they're going to want to come back. I truly believe that. Um, but I understand this is a long-term goal as well. This, is, this isn't going to happen overnight. You know, and it's going to be organic. It's going to be an organic growth as well. Um, certainly there's going to be a lot of people the first few games that are just curious about this new venue, this new team. So, and then it's about capturing those fans and then, and then having them buy in for, for the rest of the season. So yeah, you touched there on like building a team of local players. One of my disappointments is, is maybe not being as many local players or some of the local talent when you look through League One. How much of that, though, has come into the fact of salaries and what maybe some of the local guys, the established local guys in particular, have kind of been demanding or commanding? Yeah, um, look, uh, first thing is, is, I mean, we had those local trials. We had two local trials. Um, we tried to give a fair look um, for as many local players as possible. Um, ironically, a couple of the players who signed um, from those local trials weren't actually local players like Nima, um, Pele. <laughs> Um, and and how do I say this um, politically is yeah I think there's there's a higher demand of salaries for some of these Canadian players uh, most most you know local players that there's a higher expectation we're tight on a salary cap and um, you know there were some higher expectations that we just couldn't we couldn't meet uh, for some of those more established local players um, certainly we've highlighted. Uh, you know, pool local players that are either signed, that are development players, um, or, or hopefully we can we can launch a player or, or announce a player in the next in the next 24 hours who's local as well that we've been working on. Um, but no, we certainly look. This is this is again this is long term, and we're our eyes are everywhere locally, and my dream is to have a have a squad full of local players, Vancouver players. The reality is, within six months, we just couldn't do that based on the parameters we had. And, um, but certainly, that's that's a goal: is to continue to add more players, look at younger players, supplement the squad with those development players that can come in. Those should be local players, and hopefully, in four or five years, we're sitting here with 95% of this roster being being local. That's my goal. It was interesting you hearing talking about speaking to Metro Ford and Columbus and. Because the VMSL teams have kind of been shut out a little bit from League One. You've now got this connection with Unity. How do you see that progressing? I know it's a pilot project just now, but how would you ideally like to see that progressing? Yeah, look, we're, we're, we're about being inclusive of all the clubs, right? And, and yeah, the, the, 
the League One was a was more of a CPL kind of pilot project. Um, I think I think supporting League One in BC, it's a new it's a new league. This is year two. I think it's important. That's really more of a development league, anyways. Um, the VMSL is is sort of a mixed bag of of you know more established type players, former players. Um, I wouldn't call that a development league, but there's certainly players there that that we should be having a look at. We have we we a handful of players from VMSL were on trial, um, so it's it's not about exclusively working with one club. We're talking to VMSL. We're looking. We're scouting. We have people going to games. Um, we're looking at every player in every club and trying to be fully inclusive of all the clubs from VMSL to League One because that's our that's what we have to do as a as a local professional club. There was a little bit of pushback at the start about calling Vancouver FC and not kind of coming into this community. Now, for someone like me, I think of everything as Vancouver, which is obviously kind of what you're kind of pushing towards. Has has that changed a little bit? Have you felt like just talking to locals and explaining why you've gone for that? Has it kind of been more understood now? Yeah, I think like anything, um, we knew that there was going to be pushback. There would have been pushback if we called it Langley FC. Oh, yeah. That people from Coquitlam saying, "Why would you call it that?" or Surrey. Like, so, so we knew there was going to be pushback. Um, I think definitely that 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 narrative is 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 a lot more quiet about you know you should have called it more the local club, um, location wise. Um, so I looked at this exactly like you did. Is is I see Vancouver as a whole, Greater Vancouver. Everybody, you know, whether you're Surrey, Abbotsford, North Van, West Van, you call it Vancouver. Outside of your little micro market, um, I want to look at this club as really capturing all of Vancouver. Um, so that was important when we set out. Again, we knew there was going to be pushback, but I think with the branding and everything we've done in the different communities and trying to engage in those communities, I think that that sort of conversation around being a, should be a different name is, is kind of over. There's still the people that want to kind of slaughter us a little bit for the name, but I, I'm not concerned about they'll, that. They'll do that for everything. They're going to do that right, for yeah. everything, and you can't, you can't please everyone. Yeah. Um, I think in five years, I think this this is going to be a, a big brand in this city that everyone's going to know, and that that's our objective. And and also outside the city as well, we also want to be we want to capture this city outside of the local market as well. Well, that kind of ties in with my last thing then. So you've two teams in the league. Obviously, you've launched two teams. Edmonton folded. The league's bought York now. There's rumours about Valor. Do you have concerns about the future direction of, of the league right now? No, being on the inside, um, knowing what we're building and the investment us owners are making. Look, when we set out to start this league, we knew there was going to teams that are going to fail. We knew there was going to be owners that were tired, maybe not believing in the project long term. This is a, this has never been about a short term deal. This is about a long term building this league, long term creating opportunities for Canadian players, Canadian administrators, Canadian jobs, refs. That take that that's a long term play, no different than the MLS. The first you know startup they lost teams as well, yeah. so so that was always part of the business plan that we were going to lose teams. Um, ironically, some of those owners that have left weren't weren't the most engaged owners and understanding about what we're building, the investment it takes. You, when you're investing this, this is a, this is not a short term investment. Oh, no, this is long term, 10, 20 years, ten twenty years, right? And so you're going to lose some some people. You're going to hopefully bring better, stronger investors in, which which we know. I think one of the reasons we're confident is knowing the conversations of investors that want to come into this league. That's why you know by taking over the Yorks, we're confident that that we can bring the right groups in now. And and I wouldn't say clean out, but 
but bring in those stronger investors that want to invest in the game in this country and grow this league, much like the MLS did. Rob Friend there, co-owner, I should say, not just owner of Vancouver FC. And yeah, big day for him getting this up and running. But just frank stuff there from him just talking about as well the the future of the club growing. And I mean, that is one of the things, Zach. It's like, it's a great turnout today. Will yeah. all those fans be there in a month's time? Uh, yeah. m- much lower scale, but last weekend in League One, Harborside over in Nanaimo, record crowd, 1,246 for their first ever match. Watching the video today of their second match, vast difference. Yeah, and he uh, uh, he talked about it with you. He talked about it on the, in the, the press conference or whatever. Yeah, it's about getting people in and then capturing them by not by your football by the you know the the atmosphere the support the experience the the everything right and so that's the mode that they're in right now they're trying to get what? people in to yeah get there. and i think the venue i think the venue especially on days where the weather's you know not not horribly hot and not rainy is is a is a is a great place to watch a football match i mean something I've loved them doing is are these community matches and yeah. getting out into all the other areas. How many folk from North Van will make the trail to Langley when you've got to go over the bridge and, and sometimes even getting to the bridge from North Van as I experienced on my way home tonight. But just even getting out there and getting the message and spreading the message for a club that you can't turn on the TV. We talked about the Whitecaps, you can't turn off on the TV and see them much. Can't turn on the TV really and and see this unless you're subscribing to One Soccer. So I like that they've done that, but I liked what he talked about in the press conference as well, which I mm. haven't included in this audio, but you can hear it on the, the extra podcast if you're a subscriber, is building these connections, mm. building the bridges with the local clubs, like Metroford, like Columbus, that's steeped in soccer history in this area, and have kind of been overlooked by so much, not allowed into League One because they want their own branded clubs in there and yeah. stuff like that. These are the, the communities. Like Metrofor do so much yes. from a really young age up to adult and male and female. Their female club were in the provincial cup final this, this year. Surrey United, another club that were in that cup final on the women's side. Langley United, you've got Columbus that's got the rich Italian heritage, you've got mm. Croatia that's got that Croatian heritage. These are the markets and the kind of demographics that you need to be tapping into. They love football. Get them yeah. to love Vancouver FC. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he he he's been talking about that a lot, right? About how do you how do you connect with those groups and he talks a lot about you gotta approach it with a humble attitude. Mm-hmm. You gotta ask some some real yeah, questions. You're the, you're the new kids on the block. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I I have a lot of time for for Rob Friend, and yeah, it's not too. just be, it's not just because uh, 
he's allowed me to to be involved with 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 things um we have a we have a relationship like a friendship you know where um we can say difficult things to each other like we there's a lot of honesty like when we disagree or we have different perspectives like this is an example and you still see this on twitter and whatever but like you know the name right like i told them i yeah i mean we, we just talked about that in our little chat there but yeah yeah so anyways i just i have a lot of time for him be, um because i i think even when i have a differing opinion or i'm frustrated about about something i know we can have a conversation about it and uh um yeah he's very open I mean, I I was asking him. I said, my big disappointment is you haven't got more local guys. Yes, you said yes. You're going to, and he like just honestly addresses that as to the reasons why. And there's a number of reasons as to why some's financial, some's just they weren't good enough. And as he said, he, he took players from these local trials, but two of them aren't local players. Yeah, Pele, Nima. It's like Nima is kind of local, but he's yeah. come to the this country. A great story. By the way, yeah. on Nima from JJ Adams in, in the province, you should totally, check yeah. that out. If you haven't read that, you need to read that. But the last question that I asked him there, and this is how we'll just end this part, and we ended up making this a three-part show. We were going to make it a four-part show, but I thought, we'll just keep all the CPL stuff in, in this one part. I asked him about the sustainability of the league because mm. Vancouver's come in as a new team. Rob owns two teams of the eight, so he, he owns a quarter of this league. Just, York, like, Scott, just like Scott Mitchell? Yeah. York's been taken over by the league now as they try and find new owners. There's questions about Valor. There's questions about Halifax. Is this league sustainable? Obviously, so much of it is tied into this Canadian soccer business deal. You've got Charmaine Crooks that's now being elected as the Canada soccer president. If it had gone the other way, uh, Newman was talking about trying to blow that deal up, which... You can't just go and do. There's legalities built in there, and you can be all the talk, but it's not something that you can blow up. But I think I I didn't want Crooks to win that election, but I I think from a CPL point of view, they'll be breathing a sigh of relief. I think that she has because it's maybe going to help the sustainability in the CSB side. Although obviously there's going to be more difficult questions asked. But is this league sustainable? Project 8's been sanctioned now on the women's side. I mean, you feel if the CPL goes under, it's hard to then launch a, a women's league in, in that kind of circumstance. It is concerning for me that these clubs are struggling, but as Rob said very frankly there, maybe some of the owners aren't what the league was needing. And it is a 10-year plan. You're not going to get money back in your investment. You need the right people involved and Maybe these haven't been the right people, and they will go and find the right people. The the facts were not the right people, right? Like, I mean, uh, you, we've talked about this many times in the past. Is you can't deny their contribution to football. Oh yeah, time, same, same the with right. the Ottawa Fury ownership as well, keeping the, that alive. Uh, yeah, I know yeah. you've got some different no, the, thoughts on that, but yeah, I mean, they, they were at least putting money in. Yeah, but they were putting money into. Yeah, the game right. and on the women's side as well, where others weren't. Yeah, totally. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I can't. Uh, we were messaging about this. Where I, I want with this York thing. I wonder how much of it is the fact that they are going to 
likely to move to this, you know, Woodbine racetrack, mm. a new stadium or whatever, and how much that plays a role. So I'm not, and it's, it, they've come up. You're not as concerned maybe as, as you were. With Edmonton. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or if Valor start to have issues as well. Yeah, I think, well, Valor, the problem with Valor is, well, there's multiple problems with Valor, but I think, yeah, the the, the CFL ownership and the way that they function, I think, is not the, the greatest. Um, I mean, and, what I've been told is Valor's up for sale, but whoever buys it has to keep the team in Winnipeg. In Winnipeg, yeah. The, yeah. The, but uh, the other problem with Valor is they're playing in a ginormous, cavernous Yep stadium and who would want to do that um I, yeah i I mean I, I know that's a little dig at the white caps but it, it's it's true and it's like even with seattle they're playing in a cavernous stadium and if they don't open the top of that stadium yeah yeah it's it's not it's not that intimate atmosphere all, all sport and especially football is 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 best played in uh yeah uh, a as full of ground as possible and yeah ideally and i know i just spent the day in a in a, in a thing that's in a stand that's further back from the pitch than i would like but um um it's uh, that is still better than i think yep. what, what exists in winnipeg it's still a, an intimate atmosphere because you are well yeah you are close to the pitch maybe not as much as as you could be in in your section but the other sections yeah y- you feel closer and more yeah, involved totally, in the game and totally. like smaller intimate things it's, i think i think winnipeg i think valor would have less issues if they had a stadium like yeah the just but then that, that's the tough part because it's like land building yeah. planning permission it just makes it so difficult yeah although you've seen how quickly stadiums can go up with with this one here and six five as a group that is their business they they put stadiums up and well, yeah, they have they have a subsidiary or whatever. Yeah. Right? They have a part, yeah, a wing or yeah, yeah. It's one of their wings. But I mean, just a quick yes or no: Do you see that at this point in time, the CPL is, is a sustainable business model? Uh, yeah, at this moment, I think yes, for the long term. Yeah, it absolutely is, um, and, and it needs to be as well because yeah, like these players have to have a place to play, as do the women. And it looks like that's now going in a different direction with Project A, although I feel Canada Soccer didn't really have any other option but to approve that with the heat they've been getting in other matters just now. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's we'll have a bigger conversation. Yeah. Time, but, um, they've got three teams now, though. Yeah. What do you think about the, the name? AFC Toronto Awful. City? Awful. I, I don't like AFC Wimbledon, and the fans just call it Wimbledon. Yeah. Anyway, and like no one really says AFC Bournemouth either. You just go with Bournemouth. I mean, it's nice that it's not another FC, but mm. um, so they're but they're just. It feels like they're trying too hard. Yeah. Although mm. I, I've had discussions on my East Five podcast, uh, folk over there just hate the names of of teams over here, and they can't take that. For some people, they just can't take it seriously because of the names. Like what San Jose Earthquakes, or like what? Yeah, or it'd be like the. I don't know the the Loudon Lumberjacks or something uh, like that. Just yeah. those kind of things, like white caps to people outside of here. They're like, I don't care if it means mountains and waves. It's like stupid yeah. name for a football team. Yeah. But anyway, we won't get into that. What we will get into though is the Canadian Championship, and we'll be back with that after this. 
Hey, it's Levante Johnson. You're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. If you could read my mind, love, what a tale my thoughts could tell. Just like an old time movie about a ghost from a wishing well. In a castle dark Or a fortress strong With chains upon my feet You know that ghost is me And I will never be set free As long as I'm a ghost You can't see If I could read your mind, love Just like a paperback novel The kind the drugstore sells When you reach the part Where the heartaches come The hero would be me The heroes often fail And you won't read that book again Because the ending just Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM And kicking off this part, a Canadian legend that sadly passed away last Monday, aged 84 The Canadian folk legend Gordon Lightfoot That was a, a song from his 1970 album, Sit Down Young Stranger I can just imagine an 84-year-old saying it that way. That, for me, is, I I think, really the only Gordon Lightfoot song that if you put me on the spot and say, name a Gordon Lightfoot song, is the one that I would have gone with. If you could read my mind, love. And it's a song that I know because it was played regularly in a UK comedy series, Dom Jolly's Trigger Happy TV, in the Mm. 90s. And they played that a lot. And... I'd never heard this song before. I was like, oh, it's a fantastic song. And then checked out who it was, etc., etc. It was a number one song here in Canada. Reached number five in the US and was his highest charting hit in the, the UK at number 30. I, I don't know, do you know much Gordon Lightfoot song? Uh, yeah, Gordon Lightfoot fan. I know he was a, a well, legend was, and a kind of iconic figure here. Yeah, obviously I know him, but I feel like I, I don't... I, like I, I don't know his music well. Like I, I, it's kind of thing. Like if it was on, I would be like, oh, I might be like, oh yeah, it's Gordon Lightfoot, but like not like, no, I, I'm not, I'm not well, well versed. If you could read my mind right now, love, what would I be thinking? Are you wanting me to quote the rest of the words of the song? No, I'm just. What, what do you think's going through my head just now? Did you just call me love? Yeah, that's the song. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> Uh, oh, what's going through your mind right now? Mm. Um, I think it's either something about the monarchy or about TSS's <laughs> away trip in the Voyager's Cup. You're right, really, with both. <laughs> also, I'm very, very tired as it's now one o two as we are recording this. We're now into Monday and yeah. I've had five hours sleep as it is and I've seen three football games today, commentating <laughs> on two of them. I'm running on fumes just now, so this might be a shorter part than the rest of it. Everyone will be glad for that. But we are going to be talking about Canadian Championship. And there's only two games we care about on the show. 
in the Canadian Championship this week. And it's the, the BC teams, the Whitecaps, heading to York. They've got rid of their CPL hoodoo, but York have lost three of their four games that they've played to start the CPL season. Martin Nash's side hosting the Whitecaps. Vanny says it'll be a tough test, but he's already revealed that players like Levante Johnston will be getting a, a call-up, who has been doing very well for WFC2. Played the first half of their, their game tonight, or yesterday as it is now. 1-0 win for the Young Caps. I uh, headed out to that one. It was a, a good and late 1-0 win. First goal the... was a white cap for Gando, the oh, draft right. pick. Nice. But talking of presence, you should watch that back because the goalkeeper played to the defender in the box who then tried to play it back to the keeper and just played it to, to Gando about four yards out from goal who just fired it home. And there was two Whitecaps players there. I oh have no idea what was going through the Dynamo player's head. But yeah, Johnston making that trip. I'm sure there could be some other WFC2 guys as well along on that trip. I feel it could be a young lineup, but they are going to take it seriously. And it would be crazy, really, if the Whitecaps don't get through and, and set up uh, a BC Derby in the semi-final. Surely they're they're going to take a few goals off York. Yeah, it would be surprising if... Unless if they... it's some dodgy refereeing. Well, yeah. Um, hey, is, uh, I didn't mention this. I don't know this will impact the, the Voyager's Cup, but I heard there's like uh, VAR light coming to CPL maybe in mid midway through the season this year. But oh, no, we'll I hadn't heard that. But yeah, yeah, we'll see what happens with that. I'd like to see that. Yeah, I'd love to see that. No, I, I think, um, yeah, it would be kind of shocking if Vancouver wasn't able to progress past York. Um, York, I think, had a, it's fair to say, had an up and down season. They have players who could cause um, the Whitecaps problems. Obviously, Mobabuli uh, can be yeah. a danger man and has shown already this season in league play that he can uh, strike a dead ball uh, very well. <laughs> um, and on any given day in a cup tie, it's like that you've always got the, yeah. the chance of that upset. I mean, we saw it in I, the, the last round with TSS. Yeah, I don't know his uh, fitness status or whatever because I know he hasn't started every game, but um, Dero, yeah, Dero mm -hmm. I think, is a, is a player who last... It was last year, yeah, last year against Van, uh, against the Whitecaps in the in the cup. Um, maybe didn't wasn't able to show off all his offensive qualities because he was working so hard from for the team in pressing and in tracking back. Um, and and uh, yeah, didn't quite get the the great opportunities going forward. But he is someone who could could change the game. Uh, and I think I think there's a lot. Uh, I think there's a York has a like a solid team this year, even though they're, you know, still, I think, in some ways coming to terms with the departure of a player, of a player like uh, Zator. I mean, I think it will still be a strong lineup the Whitecaps put out, but I think you're going to have the likes of Betcher leading the line, Ali Ahmed in there, Tiger yeah. will, will get the start with the Canadian content and stuff as well, but it's going to... Oh, yeah, who are going to be the three Canadians? Tiber, Tiber, Ahmed, and one of the goalkeepers, probably Hassal. Oh, yeah. I would imagine since... Bomer's been playing with WFC too, so they would be at least the three Canadians, and I, I, I think we'll see some WFC two call ups as well, and hopefully they they can show what they can do and and maybe stake a claim to follow the likes mm -hmm. of Betcher and Ahmed into the the MLS side. Do these call ups count against their their? 
Ooh, not, I think they do. It's, you not know. League. it's not league play. Mm, I think you're just allowed to call them up four times just for any competition. Not 100% sure on that, but we'll check that. That's a very good question. That game goes on Wednesday afternoon. And Wednesday evening, the big one. The BC Derby. Pacific FC. TSS Rovers. I'm excited. I'm also very nervous, though, after Pacific found their scoring boots and did a demolition job for the first wow. 50 minutes or so against a horrible, horrible-looking Ottawa defence. I would go as far to put my neck on the line now and say, this TSS defence cannot defend as badly as Ottawa did in this game. Because if they do, they're going to get ripped a new one at Starlight on Wednesday. Yeah, uh, I was. I texted you. I know I, I yeah. didn't want to spoil anything for you, but I was like, I feel so bad for Sean Melvin. <laughs> like he, uh, yeah, it was I, his first start of the season. Was Ingham injured, or what was the, what was I, the? I thought it was just a rotational rotate? thing. Okay. But I don't pay a ton of attention to Ottawa. I have to say. Yeah, and I think the goal. Not, I don't think any of the goals. I felt like, oh yeah, he should have done much better. Like he was like kind of like. A lot of them were passing tap, or at least a couple of them were kind of passing tapments. Um, but uh, I, I, we've we've talked about this. Uh, I think the the key to uh, a TSS victory in this game is well, what happens. Which which Emil shows up in goal for yes. Pacific, because I think he played really well, a solid to to really well against Vancouver FC in the league opener. Yep. I think obviously he, was, he played a, a decisive role in their cup victory and yeah, the good in that shootout. And then he's had two howlers in the last two league games. Mm-hmm. That that goal against that he let in at home against Forge was oh, shockingly was poor. The the head the header down from the striker that Felipe was bigging up. Uh, p- uh, p- uh, his, uh, what's his name from Forge? The guy who scores a bunch of the goals. Uh, Passius. Oh, Passius. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was a, an absolute horror show. I, I I it was so bad. And then in this game, you're winning four nil. And and Emil just lets a ball the ball go through his hands like he holds up his hands and then he sort of looked like he was yelling at his defenders about something but it's like dude you can't yell at anyone when you let the ball go through your hands like that well I mean the, the backup if they decide to to give the other guy a run out twenty one year old Kieran Basket so you could have how, two basket cases uh, <laughs> the choice of either of them in goal for Pacific how, how old is Emil he's not old either. He's, about 21 as well let me check yeah, that he, i thought he's really young I, I mean i do feel that that is something that gives tss a fighting chance i've got to say and yeah. actually he's younger he's 19 oh, okay maybe go with the older experience 21 year old well it's the kind of thing where you're just like if he's in goal i would shoot a bunch I would, yeah like, now it sounds really simplistic but no i mean that's i i said that in the tss commentary on saturday that to me that's one of the keys of the game is like testing him and being quick to react for possible rebounds or or dropped balls or, or whatever. I mean, obviously they've got a good defence and they've got an attack that can be dangerous and they were starting to find the, their form. James Merriman spoke after the game that it was good to, to kind of see, he talked about the, the Whitecaps saying floodgates opening. This was a case of kind of floodgates opening for, for Pacific. They were really looking good offensively and they could have had a lot more than the four goals they've got. TSS had the advantage in that first game of playing on grass. Obviously, they're travelling. We're heading over on Tuesday 
for that, getting used to the pitch on Tuesday afternoon, a training session, and then got the game on Wednesday evening. Pacific's going to go into it as big favourites. And we'll play a little bit of audio now from Pacific FC head coach James Merriman. And you can tell how much this competition means to him and the club and how they want to proceed even further in it. Next up for you guys is, is Rovers, and we've seen what they did to Bowers. How do you yeah. guys keep on that high and not, you know, dip mentally because you're playing a center group? Team? I, I think I think we have an, a humble enough group um, and a, and a motivated group that wants to go further, and we respect the spirit that TSS played the game against Valor with. I think everybody should, um, and that's cup competition. So. We know that I, I I trust the group. It's it's a really strong core, you know, humble core in our leadership group, and they'll keep everybody on the ground. We need to enjoy this today, um, but then then we'll prepare for Wednesday. Get this win, and you move on to the Canadian Championship. Very different, um, you know, setup. And you know, going from playing regular CPL competitions, you have first five games of season now playing as a team at a semi-pro level. Very hungry team. Um, how many adjustments will you make for that, that team, knowing it's a short week, not much time to rest? Um, and of course, going back to the Pacific for the home for that match, what adjustments can we expect? I mean, we need to we need to recover tonight. Um, get home tomorrow. And, and come back to, to training on Monday and check in with everybody and see how everyone's doing. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a game that we're going to play the best team. We're going to put the best team on the field um, and, and whoever's ready to go. And, of course, we have Bradley Vliet. We have Kakuda Mane um, who are at home and we know incredibly hungry to, to play in these matches as well. And they're competitive for these spots. So... Like I said, you saw Adonijah Reed come in. You see Easton and Garrell come in. We have a lot of competition for for positions. So um, more games this week is not such a bad thing for us, in in my opinion. So James Merriman there. I mean, basically, you, you can tell they see this as their their entry into the Champions League next year. Possibly their best chance at the entry into it. Because they win this. They're hosting the semi-final, probably against the White Caps then they're hosting the final if they get past that game as well. So they've got a great road to that yeah. Champions League, a tough one. But, I mean, for TSS as well, if they can get through this, they're hosting the Whitecaps at Swan Guard, And that's a match that's going to make the club six figures and can absolutely change things for, for a, a small club as well and the players involved in it. So there's a lot to play for. I hope it's a, a good game. My, my one thing is I hope it's a close game. Or a TSS blowout. I don't see that. But, I mean, you want it to be a close game. Just, TSS have had a lot of goodwill from this cup run. And it's put a lot of attention on that level of football. And one of the worst things that could happen now is if they go to this game and get blown out the water. They lost on Saturday to Victoria Highlanders. And it was a bad goal that they gave up defensively. They just all stopped thinking it was offside. It was a touch-and-go decision, but I think the guy was onside. But you just can't stop like that. And if you're playing attackers like Pacific showed, and that was part of the fault with Ottawa, they kind of just stood still defensively and were giving the ball away. TSS's mm. keys are Tess Gazdorf, don't give away turnovers and just try and keep it, it tight and not maybe not play that rambunctious go-go-go attacking style 
because Pacific have players that Valor didn't have that will punish them if they leave themselves short at the back. Oh, yeah. On the plus side for TSS, they look to be fully fit. All their potential injury worries were back and played in that game on Saturday. And Justin Sandu, as the goalkeeper, he's been involved in two penalty shootouts in the Provincial Cup run for Croatia. And the one thing I'll say about him, he had a couple of good saves as well. He can read penalty takers so impressively. There was not many times he was sent the wrong way on penalties. And if Pacific watched my videos on YouTube of those shootouts, that is going to get in their head mentally that he can certainly read the way that penalty takers are going to go. And hopefully that will put doubt in the penalty takers' minds. I'm playing the psychological games already here. There you go. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a, a, a huge game. We'll hear a little bit from TSS head coach Will Cromack now, just looking ahead to this game against Pacific. Big game for the club, big game for Will. What's he expecting? So, Will, big game coming up on Wednesday. Team is maybe heading into this, not with the confidence-boosting win that you wanted from that defeat at the weekend. How, how have you seen the guys at training? Has that game on Saturday kind of put some, some doubts or some questions in your mind about who's maybe going to be making that lineup? Yeah, I mean, obviously, every time you have a situation like this, you're looking for who's in form, who's, uh, who's playing well, who's meshing together. Um, you know, I mean, we had a good preseason, uh, but ultimately we're coming into a different world. I think when you're practicing to be a professional and trying to get to that next level, um, it's obvious you're going to maybe take opponents lightly and look ahead. I think it happens at all layers, and that's probably what happened to us. But, yeah, no, we'll, um, there's lots of guys putting themselves in the uh, shop window and uh, that want this game badly. So, yeah, we've, we've got a few different looks. So from a Pacific point of view, it was a, a more confidence-boosting performance at the weekend. They seem to have maybe found that their goal-scoring form what are you expecting from Pacific from this one? In many ways, it feels like a much different animal to to the Valor team that you faced in the first round. Yeah, I think we walked into the Valor game knowing though that they'd come off of a, you know, a pretty big win to start their season. Um, we came in looking at it, going, "Oh man, there's another, there's a pro team coming in that's happy, confident. Uh, you know, maybe an unexpected win on their first game on the road against York." Uh, now we've now we're gonna play Pacific, who's uh, like you said, coming in off a, a big win against Atletico. Um, these are professionals, man. I mean, they, maybe maybe they're better than Valor, but I think you know every time we look at a CPL team, we're looking at you know guys man to man that are um, individually probably well they're pros, you know, and ours aren't yet. Um, I suspect it doesn't matter who we play. Um, they're going to put out a strong roster regardless of uh, who's in their 18. Every one of them is getting paid to play this game and training every day and doing all the things that are needed to be a professional. So, yeah, I mean, we're not scared, but we're certainly aware of the level we're going up against. That, that first game against Valor, obviously they had maybe not seen much of you. You're a little bit of a surprise package for, for some on the Valor side and on people watching at home. Now people's had game tape off you, they've seen how you can play. But this time around it's different. You don't have the advantage of the home crowd. You don't have the advantage of the grass pitch at Swan Guard. You've got travel over. And for some of these guys, it's going to be a whole new experience to kind of make that kind of trip and travel as a team for a big cup game like this. 
Yeah, I mean, these guys have been playing in university. They've done big trips. In fact, I would say that when you play USL or you play uh, PDL or you play some of this League One stuff, you're you're more commonly aware of playing two games in a weekend. So there's there's some stuff to lean on, but um, I'm not sure we've ever expected a home crowd either. You know, we've had some good crowds at uh, Swangard for our League One and, and USL days, um, but that was something else. Um, boys were up for it. And certainly we hope they're watching all our film from uh, from all the games we played in the league, uh, which, which wasn't really fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Well, one thing, like, if you look at the, the team just now, there's a lot of hungry guys there. You said after that game that if you don't have the, the same score of players for the, the next round, so be it. That's what you're looking to do, move it on. Were you a little disappointed, though, that some of the guys haven't moved on? Obviously, the transfer window shut now in CPL. Yeah, I mean, I think the expectation probably is you're not um, going to have as many injuries in the first 10 days of a, of a league. Um, so I think it's more probably aiming for that July window when it starts to open up. Um, you know, notwithstanding, you know, we've had a few pokes, a few agents have definitely got more tape and more um, more things to show people as well as we as we get towards that. But yeah, I mean, it's probably probably rosters that are quite set, uh, but those will crumble a bit because 35, 36, 40 games is a lot of games uh, when we're talking CPL teams across this country. Someone mentioned to me as well that the way that you play at TSS and a lower league side really in general, you play a kind of game that maybe the pro teams aren't used to coming up against. It's like full pedal to the metal, full throttle, and you really take the game to the opponents. It, it got Valor rattled. Does that give you a little bit of a boost that they're maybe not used to coming up against teams with the, the exuberance that you guys have? I, you know, I think you're probably talking about um, unfamiliarity. Uh, it's like every single one of these teams in the CPL is, is in some kind of Stanley Cup playoff. They play each other four and five times. They know each other so inside out that maybe we're an X factor in that sense. Um, I, don't, I don't think we're catching them off guard more than we're just different, right? So when they go down and they play CONCACAF uh, league games and things like that, you know, they're, they're adjusting and trying to find out for the first time what guys are like. So we might be a little bit like that, um, you know, but we're, we're, we're tidy technician guys. We can't be something that we're not. So we're not gonna go in and play a little bit like Cavalry or anything like that, who have great, great players, but also some size on their back line. Um, we, we don't have a ton of those pieces, but you know, we're, we're gonna do what we have to do. Game, of course, could go to penalties. A lot of the guys on your team got experience with, with penalties. The Provincial Cup that a lot of them were on went to penalty shootout. Justin Sandu, the goalkeeper, has been involved in two penalty shootouts. From watching those, from watching him just even in practice against penalties, this is a goalkeeper that seems to know how to read the, the opponents when they step up. He seems to just have this instinct, this whether it's prep or knowledge or whatever, he seems to be able to guess the right way almost every single time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna pretend that it has anything to do with coaching, okay? Uh, penalties is like a completely different game. Um, he's, he's our guy, you know, and uh, if we can get it to that point, I think it's a victory for the club to start with, and then we let it go where it can. Just the last thing, there's a good traveling support coming over. I know you've got a lot of supporters as well from the Highlanders and Harborside coming to support you for this one. What, what's your message just to everyone that's going over for this, be it fans, owners, staff, players? 
Yeah, you know, we, we, we talked about it at the first game, a celebration of uh, BC soccer and, uh, you know, a, a BC opposition, the growth of the game, uh, I, people thinking that we don't have anything going on in BC because nobody's really on our men's national team, um, but it's happening slowly but surely and I think we just go and celebrate that again and, and you know, make sure we have a performance that's worth cheering for. Fantastic. Good luck on Wednesday, Will, and we'll see you in the semi-finals. <laughs> Cheers, mate. So naturally, we wish TSS all the very best in that game on Wednesday. You always like to see the, the underdogs do well. You always like to see the smaller teams doing well. Let's you on Garber, Zach. Oh, yeah. Who <laughs> somewhat bizarrely publicly went went public with these comments. Yeah. Where... I just want to read you one bit of the quote that really pissed me off. And I tweeted I didn't this even, out. I want you to read this because I didn't read it. I just saw your tweet. Oh, and I was like, it sounds so horrible. It's, it's about the US Open Cup. Yes. And basically, Garber, not a fan of the cup, said they are not. Well, he was basically asked about getting more eyes on the US Open Cup, which has had good viewership. And he, he was saying, oh, people I'm speaking to have struggled to find it. I was on holiday in Oregon. I put on YouTube in a, in a random person's house that we'd rented and they were coming up as the recommended. I wasn't even signed in. And it was the recommended things that you could watch. There you go. It's that difficult to find. Yeah. But he, he said he doesn't mind that people were having trouble finding it or watching them because they are not games that we would want our product to be shown to a large audience. So frankly, I'm not all that disappointed that the audience is small. Yeah, so this is not the first time you would say that Garber's only in touch with the financial people and the financial realities and not in touch with the community, right? Like the, the community of fans and supporters and what they, what it means to them, right? Like he he's just yeah he's so out of touch on, on this it's it's shocking part of what he was saying though is and this is another bit of his quotes the quality of the games some of the games that we've been playing in are on subpar fields that's the magic of the cup that's one of the things that makes the FA Cup so special I mean that, and that the, folk love the early rounds because you're playing sometimes in like farmers' fields almost. Forget about the FA Cup, Mike. We just talk about what you experienced a week and a half or two weeks ago, whatever. Like that was yeah on a grass pitch. Yeah, that Valor weren't used to playing on grass. Now oh. I've got to say the Swan Guard pitch this season is a shadow of its former glorious Lord. self. It is not a good pitch this year. I don't know if it's the extra use from having WFC two there as well as as League One now and stuff, but it's it's needing a little bit of an overhaul and a reseed. But that said, that is still a quality surface compared to a lot of the shitty turf pitches that you've got. But again, that kind of plays into what Garber was saying because some of the games have been played in baseball stadiums and the turf's not going to have been ideal. But it's like, you look around MLS, New York City's stadium is a baseball thing and their surface isn't great. BC yeah. Place's surface isn't great. 
think he needs to look a little bit closer at, at home. Well, yeah, like I said, he's out, he is definitely out of touch. I think um, what those cup nights, like even just think, what how many years ago was it? Like DC United kept on was like bottom, 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 and then they won the Open Cup, right? Like mm-hmm. how amazing was that for their for their fans? I mean, a couple of the games that I watched when I was down in Oregon, San Diego Loyal, fantastic performance yeah. that that they put in. Sacramento put in a. Sacramento was shocked or did they put I can't remember now but I, I watched three games and they were fantastic stuff I obviously I like this level of football so I'm maybe not your typical person to kind of talk about that but for me this is what's wrong with all North American sports you've got the rich at the top and they yeah. don't care about investing in the infrastructure below them yeah. They've got their farm teams, yes, but they don't care about growing other markets, other leagues, other teams that could be seen to be competition, could be yeah. taking revenue away from them, whether it's television, whether it's bums on seats. But that is the wrong way of thinking. You need to grow the sport at all level. Yep. And I, I mean, I'll, I'll point fingers at Canada soccer as well. For me, they should not be having League One clubs out of pocket by having to pay to host games. Canada Soccer should be making sure that it's a level playing field and if there's a shortfall, that Canada Soccer, as their duty as the governing body, covers the costs for teams. Yeah, I think we it's very clear. We know that that was... Or sorry, it seems very clear that that was something that was lobbied for by the MLS clubs to help ensure that they have to travel less and... Uh, oh yeah, there makes their cup run easier. Yeah, right? but then this is the thing as well. Canada Soccer fucked about with the schedule this year for the Canadian Championship to favour the MLS teams whose season started earlier, who's having August off for the League's Cup. So the seasons had to start with CPL teams having one game under their belt, mm-hmm. TSS having no game under their belt going into that one. So it's like it's favouring the bigger teams and. They need to look at this and it needs to be a level playing field. This competition should not be starting in April. They should be letting the teams get underway. TSS just now are missing players because they haven't got all their NCAA players in either. You can't have situations like this. If you want to have a proper cup competition, it's got to be a level playing field for all. Yeah, as much as possible, I would agree with you. Yeah, I mean, obviously, as much as possible. The bigger teams are always going to have bigger budgets and, and stuff like that as well. But Garber said the US Open Cup is not where MLS want it to be, but they're committed to getting it there. Now, since he's criticised stadiums and stuff, you kind of feel we, what he's getting at there is, we want all these to be played in big, proper stadiums. And if it means that the MLS side's host, then that's what we're going to get. Yeah, potentially. Cup ties... Wonderful things. I love cup football. European nights back in the day as well were somewhat magical. And we're going to end the show with this week's Wavelength. And it's got a cup theme. Because we're going to play a song from an Aberdeen band called Funky Red Pandas. And you'll like this song, Zach. It's about German legend Karl Heinz Rummenigge. And I'll tell you why they've got this song out. It's to celebrate Aberdeen's... 40th anniversary of winning the European Cup Winners' Cup in 1983. 
They beat Real Madrid in the final. I think it was the 11th of May. 2-1, extra time win for Aberdeen. On the way to that final against Real Madrid, they beat Bayern Munich in the quarterfinals. This was Alex Ferguson's side yeah, for Aberdeen. I was going to say this yeah. must be Fergie, yeah. First leg of the quarterfinal was 0-0 in Munich. And then it came back for what is still thought of as one of the most magical nights in Scottish football on the European stage. Aberdeen came from behind to beat Bayern 3-2. And the goals that got them over the line came within a minute of each other as well at Pitodri. And Carol Hines Rummenigge was one of the best players in the world at that point, playing mm. for Bayern Munich. And Willie Miller, the Scottish defender, had him in the pocket that evening. And to commemorate that occasion... Funky Red Pandas have brought out their song Carl House, Carl Heinz Rummenigge. And here it is for you right now.
Funky little number from Funky Red Pandas, Carol Hines Rumenega. That wraps it up for another AFT and Soccer Show. It's been a fun one. Lots of good fun chat to chat about, Zach. Any final thoughts for you? Where can folk find you online? Give the FV fanatics a plug as well. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter, occasionally tweeting at ZacharyAM. Uh, yeah, I just want to say thanks to everyone who was you know, in the stadium and supporting today. And thanks to all the fanatics who um, work so hard to make the display possible and, and things uh, go smoothly in this section. Yeah, really looking forward to uh, as things move forward in the season and hopefully more afternoons and evenings like, like today. Yeah, I hope to get out to the game up there next Saturday. Commentating on TSS till 6, it's a 7 o'clock kickoff, so it's going to be a little bit tight depending on traffic and stuff. I think it's a 6.30 kickoff, isn't it? Oh, if they brought it forward, I thought it was 7. If it's 6.30, I'm definitely not making that then. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's 6.30. I think it's always been 6.30. Oh, I had... Don't don't, don't call me on that, though. I had 7 written down in my little paper schedule that I still keep. Let's have a look here. Vancouver FC. I don't even know who they're playing on Saturday. Uh, Saturday, I should know. I think it's Atletico. Oh. Oh, well, that's going to be a nice big win for them, based on their performance. Let's have a look. Vancouver FC, their fixtures. Oh, it is six thirty. Oh yeah, I'm not. I'm not making that next Saturday. Then I had seven written down in my thing. Well, that's disappointing. Surely they they could they could reach into their budget to I don't know chopper you out or something. I'll get a chat with Rob. He's <laughs> wanting me to get out for games. If he sends a chopper to Swan Guard, I mean the pitch is fucked there anyway. They may as well just land a helicopter on it. That that would be a dramatic entrance. It'd be like, oh, who's this? I could bring the ball. <laughs> there we go. AFDN sponsored ball drop. Oh my. Oh shoot. 
It's supposed to, oh, it's a night evening game. It's supposed to get up to 29. Next oh, Saturday. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, definitely uh, skipping that then. <laughs> that's, an, that's an Abbotsford, though, so I don't know. will be different. Don't want to get caught in the sun and start my face peeling. Nobody would want that, Zach, would they? Has your <laughs> nose recovered? <laughs> uh, not fully. Oh. That, that was from all test. That was all the testing of the of the rigging. You, you got to test that stuff. And yeah, I, was, I didn't know I was going to be in the sun for like three or four hours. And Were you singing frigging in the rigging by the Sex Pistols while you were doing it? No, I wasn't. Oh, but today, today, I, today wasn't as bad. But I will be wearing some uh, heavy sunscreen on Saturday, I think. See, while you were out in the sun today, I was in the shade in North Vancouver under a tent, freezing with a big fleecy jumper on. <laughs> anyway, I'm oh, Michael man. McCall. Find our stuff online, aftn.ca. Check out all our commentary as well on the League One BC website. Our YouTube videos on AFTN Canada on YouTube. We'll be back with another episode soon. Want to wish TSS Rovers all the very best for the game against Pacific on Wednesday night. I'll be heading over for that one with the team. Want to wish East Fife all the best as well. They take on Clyde in the semi-finals of their promotion playoffs. They might be going up this year. We didn't think that a few weeks ago. It's a feast of football. Can't have enough of it. We'll be back talking about more soon. Until then... Thanks for listening. Take care and just enjoy the beautiful game. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.